0: I always look for how else I can win, but it doesn't seem like I can see anything anymore. Nothing's coming to me. Maybe I could kill one of them.
1: (sighs) It is prohibited to collect limpets and undersized abalone from intertidal reefs on Australian Survivor Archives. To the remote Australian Survivor location. In fact, Survivor has returned to civilization here on Australian Survivor Archives. Well, it's unbelievable that this podcast, this is the podcast that we have recapped the very original season of Australian Survivor Season 1. And tonight. One of the original 16 Australians who played the very first season will walk away with one of the richest prizes in Australian television history. $500,000 cash plus the magnificent Ford V6 Escape from our very, very good friends at Ford. Bloody good friends they are. 16 Aussies, just 16 Have played Survivor so far, at least in 2002. And the host of that very first season, Lincoln Howes, has been with them every step of the way. Through all the challenges, all the dramas, all the tears, all the tantrums, let's recap what Lincoln Howes has seen of Australian Survivor Season 1, Whaler's Way.
2: On day one, 16 people arrive on one of the most treacherous and isolated sections of Australian coastline. As the Southern Ocean swirled below them, the 16 were separated into two tribes, Tapara and Kadina, both named after shipwrecks. Lucinda made survivor history in the first three days. She asked to be voted off, It's
0: not up there with you guys.
2: And she voted for herself.
0: It's just too tough.
2: Kadena's skill at winning reward challenges. Never give up! Go. Couldn't be backed up at immunity challenges. Okay, go of the six team immunities, Kadina lost five. It's a tire. Basically, I think it came down to uh, Joel wanted it more. Leaving them vulnerable and resigned to their fate. At Tapara, the camp was split in two those who made alliances. I want
0: to be there to the end with you. Alliance. Have you formed an alliance with Rob, with Rob Sophie? nice, Loyal. No, yes. Black, Black dogs. Yeah. Well, well.
2: And those who didn't.
0: I don't believe there's any alliances in the group at the moment.
2: By the merge, when the new tribe of Aurora was formed, Tapara had seven members to Kadena's three. They cleaned themselves off, but nothing could wash away the doubts in Kadena that some of their new tribe members didn't deserve to be there. It
0: does seem like they've had a free ride, especially Jane. I think everybody hates Jane at the moment.
2: Craig's only hope was to win over the women. The young warrior has charmed the older warrior. And convinced Joel and Lance of the alliance formed against them.
0: Craig is a manipulative little snake. Uh,
2: Yeah, they wouldn't have formed an alliance. And then win six immunity challenges in a row. It's either win immunity or pack your bag. We managed only two, before a cold, slimy pilchard came between him and $500,000. <laughs> the Tapara innocents continued to believe their tribe remained an alliance-free zone.
0: Maybe all that's happening and I don't know about it. While I admire your integrity, the bottom line is it's not gonna get you to the end of the game.
2: Let's tribe spoken but rumblings of discontent came to the surface.
0: And I smelt a rat.
2: A willing Joel joined here, Shona and Rob to split the original gang of four with his promises of compliance. Give him a word, give him my word. Sophie discovered just how vulnerable an alliance can be. The tribe has spoken. You know, I could be in the final too. 500,000 and someone's word and in integrity, it's a big call. And I'm here for the money and I'll make no bones about that. I'm here to win.
0: He's messed with the wrong girl and uh, he's going down. <laughs>
1: Welcome to Australian Survivor Archives. Wow, we have an audience for the finale. This is incredible. The only podcast in the history of podcasts to cover the entire history of Australian Survivor from Whaler's Way to the current day. I'm all over the shop right now. I don't know what's happening. We've had a weird introduction. It's a weird episode. It's a fantastic episode. And as you can tell, I'm so excited to be here today. We are back to recap the finale of season one of Australian Survivor. I'm calling this right now, not only is this the greatest finale in the history of Australian Survivor, I believe firmly the greatest finale in the history of of any survivor, at least that I have seen, so that only encompasses US, New Zealand and Australia. It is very exciting to talk about this episode, so much to cover. As you can tell, it's a little bit different today with how we've brought in the intro of this episode, but I will start off by saying that my name is Ben Waterworth and maybe I can kill Matt Dyson today.
3: Wow, I haven't heard an intro since uh, like that since Eddie McGuire. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic, Ben. That I like the comparison, hey, I'm honoured. Hey guys, you know who I am, my name's Matt Dyson and oh, Ben, everyone, how exciting is today? We are finally at that point where we can recap the finale of Season 1, Whaler's Way, Australian Survivor. This is what we've been working through for all these months, Ben, and today's the day we're finally here, we've, we've got the live audience.
1: Sort of. Um, they, I think they went home all of a sudden. Uh, we, we could only hire them for five minutes. The budget was spent on all those Aurora buffs. So, uh, you know, rent a crowd. It works every now and then. But it's it's incredible to think that we are here, Matt. Uh, you know, we, we started this project several months ago. We were very excited to do this. And as you and I have said constantly throughout this season in particular, we've been so excited to go over this episode by episode, talk to the cast, just relive a season that you and I both feel has really slipped through the cracks, gets completely ignored, gets unfair hate. And it is important that this season gets remembered for just how remarkable, how incredible and how special it really was. And the fact that, yes, there has been a lot of negativity from so many people over the years, but it is time to celebrate this season for what it was, how pioneering it was for this show in Australia, and we really are reaching a huge crescendo here today in in this episode. And, like, I know I've said what I said a few minutes ago many times throughout this season, and I know I'm just repeating myself by saying it again, but having just re-watched this episode, I, I can't deny anything that I've said throughout this season that this really is a masterful finale. This this is one of the best hours or hour and a half of TV that you can watch and so ahead of its time. I mean, there's just so much to love about this episode, hooked to every single minute of it. And as I said last week, or in our last recap, at least, people who talk down on this season will often at least say, well, the finale was good. And well, yes, this finale is something else, Matt. I, I don't know if it, before... You even rewatched this season in the last 12 months a couple of times, obviously now that you have. If you were on that same mindset, if you at least remember this finale, because wow, this just just wow.
3: Oh, you're right, Ben. It's what it's one of the greatest finales of all time. But I I just wanna say, you know, like when we started this podcast all those months ago, like this is something that probably people thought would never be done like a recap of the very first season from 2002. It's, it's something that we had discussed a lot about when we started this podcast and we wanted to do it right. And, and I really hope, I, I think we've had a lot of laughs along the way. We've had a lot of good times. We've interviewed, you know, the contestants, uh, you know, the, the, the Lincoln, the host, like we've just had so many great things come out of us doing this podcast. Um, and to be able to recap this finale is just another one of those things that we're, we're, you know, we're, we're grateful that we get to do. Um, you know, and I really hope for our listeners that they've enjoyed our podcast and what we've done to bring this season back into light. And, and you're right, Ben, like this was a forgotten season, but not for us and and not for the people that got to play the game or or work on the show at the time. So, you know, I, I really hope we've done it justice. Um, I hope that we do this finale justice. I'm sure we will, because uh, you know, I think um, you know, I think, like I said, we, we we've had a lot of laughs along the way. And Ben is there's going to be a lot to talk about on this episode, of course. When when it's the comes down to one of the greatest finales of all time, there's a lot to talk about.
1: And when it comes down to one of the greatest finales, you you say one of. I'm going to say the greatest finale of all time. Um, but th- this is the one person show. This is the Katie Gold show, and. I struggle to think of any other season that has an episode where it is all on one person. And this is obviously coming from modern day where you have Luke, you have David, you have people like this. Now, obviously in both Luke's and David's two seasons that they were on, they had very heavy edit episodes where it was very much about them. Very much so. But I don't think you have such an emotional kick in the guts level of episode that we have with this episode with Katie and the impact that everything that happens in this episode from Katie has is just it's it's astounding and I can't even think of a US episode that has this from from a player you know you have your Russell centric episodes your Tony centric episodes people like that who who leave a lasting legacy on a season and an episode with the way they're they're portrayed and, and what they say and what they do. But there's just something else about Katie Gold in this episode. And I, I've said it multiple times throughout this season. I'll say it multiple times again throughout this season. I, I particularly highlighted in our last recap episode in some particularly unkind words to Channel 10, and I will still apologize for that, Channel 10. But how, how? They can know that this exists, see an episode like this and ignore the, the the content that we see and not even have her in a conversation to return. If it is true that Guy Leach got a phone call from Channel 10, whether it was for All Stars or Champions West Contenders, if he was even considered in a conversation and got a phone call, fantastic. You're at least acknowledging a past season outside of Channel 10's canon. But Katie Gold is to me an absolute lock of any all-star season an Australian Survivor should do, and it is a travesty. This episode proves it. And whether or not you agree or disagree with how Katie handled this or Katie's actions, we will talk about that. We will try to get to the bottom of just exactly what she does in this episode. Tell me another Australian Survivor contestant who has such an impact on an episode that really comes out of this as holy crap, no matter what you feel about this woman, she is incredible television and she deserves to come back and have another crack at this game.
3: This is no disrespect to Guy Leach. He, he's the winner of the, the second season, the celebrity season. But if you got to pick one player from the, the first two seasons, it's not going to be Guy Leach, it's Katie Gold. So um that that's just the way it is, you know, and that's no disrespect to 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 Guy Leach as a winner, but Katie's a much bigger character than, than Guy. So, um, look, we see a lot of great content from Katie today. This is, this is these last, the last two episodes in the season is what you really remember Katie for. And I guess, you know, she is the first ever villain, I guess, of Australian survivor. I mean, that's how it was sort of edited. You know, you you were either at the time you were either a, a Katie fan or you wanted her gone, you know, um, and that, I guess, is what makes a villain. Uh, look, there's there's some parts of this episode where it is kind of a little bit hard to watch. You you see a 24 year old girl that has given it her all, who who loves to win and will fight to the death, and and she knows there's parts of this episode where she knows it's over, Ben. Like it's all over. She's not going to win. She's she's not going to be the sole survivor. And and you can see her falling apart and. and it's heartbreaking, like. Um, but at the same time, you know she, she. You know, you know, especially when you rewatch it, you know, here's this player that has left nothing out at Whalers Way. Like she's given one hundred percent of herself, and there's nothing left
1: in the tank. And that, and that's yeah, you're absolutely right. And that's what I think I'm. I mean to add to what I'm saying about how has there ever been a player who's left an impact on an episode like this? Because th- this isn't her playing up to the camera or doing something because she knows it's gonna make great TV, or you know, coming out of this with a play that is gonna put her down in the the history books of Australian Survivor. And anyway, this is coming purely from the emotions of this 24-year-old woman. And you just this is this is why I personally love old school Survivor so much more than new school survivor. Because this is real. This is raw. This is pure human interaction and emotion and breakdown none of this is fake or even pretending to be something it's not and again i'm not doing this to shit all over new survivor and how it's played i get it the game is developed i'm not trying to say that that's a bad thing but this in the early days and the peak of reality tv this is reality folks this is real and this is where i can appreciate this so much more I love David. I love him to bits. I didn't like him, but then I love him. Luke, same. Couldn't stand him, then I love him. They are fantastic characters. They are great players. They bring an element to Australian Survivor in modern times that is just fantastic, and I wouldn't have it any other way in new Survivor. But you're not going to get what we get with Katie in this in modern Survivor absolutely not Will you see this. This would be edited in such a different way. I would even go out on a limb and say they would pull her from the game today if this was done today because I think, and I'm not trying to say, maybe we can talk a little bit about this, about the duty of care around Katie and was there that. We maybe talk a little bit more about that with Katie in a week's time. But there's just a level of raw and realness to this, which just just adds an extra element to it. And, yeah, you're right. There are definitely moments of this episode that are very hard to watch. but. At the same time, you just can't take your eyes off this episode. This is, I mean, in no way did I want any of this episode to ever end. And I wrote notes in this. You and I wrote an essay worth of notes in this freaking episode. It took us like eight hours to watch a two-hour episode basically, but yeah.
3: <laughs> Another thing that really intrigues me about this episode is is we, we've got two players that are doing anything to win, which is Rob and Shona. But when they see Katie have her breakdown and and – and get so emotional, you know, they could have easily just turned on Katie and said, oh, well, if you're speaking to me like that, good riddance. But, and we're going to talk a lot about this. I, I'm very impressed with with how Rob and Shona did handle it. Like they know that her personality is someone that, that gives all and wants to win. So, you know, even that, they they, they see her struggling, um, but even then they're sort of, they understand, I think they understand when, when you spend that long with someone, you know, what, 38 days. You get to know or thirty seven days, you you get to really know what someone's like. And I think they really understand Katie. and although that she does get a little bit aggressive towards them, especially verbally, that they get it. they get that this girl's hurting. and um and they have betrayed her, but it's a part of the game, you know, and it, it's look, it's going to be great to talk to you about ben and and to go over everything that happens.
1: And let's bring out the C word, context, of course, that, Another reason why this would never happen today is a lot more people nowadays, as you said, they understand that this is a game. Yeah, there's emotions connected to this game, but I think nowadays it's fully understood that this is a game and people generally get over things pretty quickly nowadays, whereas In 2002, this was much more about the relationships, and particularly this being the very first Australian Survivor. We've talked a lot about how this was played differently to the US version in the fact that it was a lot more about that dreaded M-word, mateship. There were a lot more of these relationships formed, more so than you were getting in US Survivor at that time. Even Even in Borneo, there weren't the extent of relationships like this. Australian Outback, you you had that, say, between Tina and Colby, Roger and Elizabeth, you know, you had those sort of bonds. Africa, which obviously was airing basically when they were filming this, you know, Lex, Ethan and Tom, you had these sort of really close bonds like that. But I don't think we had the bonds on the level that we have in this season that we had in any of the US seasons at that point. And that adds so many extra layers to it. And and the game was still developing. We were still learning about the playing the game aspect. And this was in that period of Survivor where you do have your Rob who is, hey, I can separate the game from friendships. Katie, you can't. And... That's where it can be difficult and where maybe modern audiences maybe don't understand it as much as well because it's so easy right now to go, it's just a game, and it is. It's just a game. It was just a game back then, but it was still falling into that trap of it's just a game, and people like Katie would struggle a little bit more than someone like Rob who can separate it at that time as well.
3: Yeah, just talking about it, Ben, right now, like I'm I'm just sitting back thinking about me as a, you know, Nineteen year old. I would have been nineteen at the time, and I recall this night. I recall the fact that uh, I was working in hospitality at the time and and doing sort of you know night work. But I made sure I had the night off for this finale. I'm just putting myself into all those years ago where I was and, and and how keen I was to watch this finale and making sure that you know I had the day off just so I could sit there and and watch this finale. So to be going over it all these years later again, it's it's, it's giving me goosebumps again.
1: Uh, just quickly on that, 15th of May, 2002 is when it uh, first did. I should really have added that. And Cable was going to join us on this episode, uh, but unfortunately we, we couldn't have him tonight, but we will have him on in a few weeks' time. But he, he sort of mentioned to bring up about the the shifting time slots and sort of days. Now, digging into my research a bit, it seems as though it stayed on a Wednesday night throughout the entire run. But as he kind of mentioned, and it does v- vaguely ring a bell, that it got shifted maybe to an 8.30 time slot for the finale rather than the 7.30 time slot. Because it, this obviously was a three-hour event, Given that you had your two-hour finale, then your one-hour reunion. Of course, a week later they would air the Surviving Survivor special at like midnight or something ridiculous. I didn't even watch that. I, I hadn't seen Surviving Survivor until about a year ago, basically. But uh, and we just quickly we will talk about that sort of lumped in with our finale, uh, final, final episode in a couple of weeks' time. But yeah, I I vaguely remember watching this for the first time. I would have been 15. I would have been in grade nine. Uh, I do remember coming home from school, being very excited for it. I, I do think, though, that I've mentioned a few times throughout this season that I was definitely one of these people who was a bit disappointed in this season at the time, thinking that this isn't what I was expecting it to be. But I still think that led me all the way into this episode and still getting excited for it. So... Yeah, I, I don't maybe remember it as much as, say, like I definitely remember the Australian Outback and the Borneo finales where I was watching them. I 100% remember those. I even remember the Africa one, funnily enough, because I remember we had some family down from Sydney, so I remember all sitting in the living room watching that with them. Um, but, yeah, I, I briefly remember remember this uh, coming into to that as well.
3: Well, no, I, yeah, and, and I was obviously a little bit older than you, Ben, Um but yeah, this was a big deal for me at the time. Like uh, we, we'd always had the family together watching Survivor, and um, I was still living at home at the time. And um, this was a big deal. This is where you made sure that your ass was on the couch and no one was talking as soon as that that first intro music hit in, and you basically were only allowed to talk during the ads. And uh, and if you dare spoke during the actual show, you'd get shushed. And uh, so yeah, this was a this was a big deal. You know, there's a big deal for me at the time. And um, you know, I'm just. I'm so glad I've been given the opportunity to be a part of it all these years later, um, recapping it.
1: We obviously have a lot to cover because we will be covering the reunion as well. So I'm sure if you've downloaded this, you've probably seen our timestamp might be a little bit longer than usual. We don't know. We might have condensed it a lot quicker than we thought we had, but there's a lot a lot to cover. And having said that, a lot to cover, but also it's all kind of can be lumped into kind of sections because things like challenges and that really kind of go by in a breeze and other sections like that. I mean, it really is all the Katie content that we are going to be talking about. Cause once Katie goes, it's sort of uh, you know, pretty smooth sailing from there. One thing I just wanted to really quickly add that I've not brought up all season. I only actually noticed it this time around, and this might seem like a really weird thing to point out, but I'll bring up the reason why I'm bringing this right now. Rob's name is last in the opening credits. Now, that might not seem like a weird thing. U.S. Survivor went, I don't even know how many seasons. It might even still be the case that it is the case today. Every time, like people worked out that there was kind of quirks around the introductions and no winner had ever been listed last on the opening credits in U.S. Survivor. Now, again, realise only three seasons at this point, this wasn't really something that people realised at the time. But... I could be mistaken. Boston Rob might have been last on Redemption Island, but then people were kind of like, well, they moved that around because that was when they would start doing different credits where they would only show like the jury after a certain point. So, yeah, I, I I would love a fact checker to come back to me and correct me if I'm wrong, but I know US Survivor in a very long time and maybe still to this day has never had the winner last on the opening credits. But that's just something random I picked up here. It doesn't really mean much. But, hey, our last person on the opening credits went on to win. Yeah, I th- I'm, I'm sure we did actually talk about that
3: very early on. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know how long it took in America. I, I do recall it being a long time. But, uh, yeah, it, it kind of is interesting when you stop and think about it that the very first Australian season that they decided the, the last person they would show on the credits would be the winner. Like,
1: but... You know, yeah, it is interesting. It's, it's kind of like one of those things when they all of a sudden started talking about the car curse in the U.S. Survivor that that wasn't really, you know, five, six seasons in, all of a sudden people started clicking and then, you know, by the time you got to season 14 and we haven't really even seen it since. Um, the, the other thing too, obviously we had a bit of fun with our introduction there, but we have Eddie Maguire Eddie Everywhere, as he was referred to in 2002. I think he still is today, but, uh, you know, people who maybe are watching this who are not Australian and sort of have been enjoying along the ride and you're outside of the US, uh, outside of Australia, sorry, maybe in the US, Canada, somewhere else. Eddie Maguire basically is, you know, arguably at this point in Australian television, the biggest name in Australian TV. I mean, he hosted Who Wants to Be Millionaire at the time, which as everybody would remember, was the biggest show in the world, basically, before Survivor came along. It it was huge. Basically, it who wants to be a millionaire? CSI, survivor. Kind of, that's kind of, and then Idol took over the world. Um, so he, he was everywhere. He's president of a prominent Australian football club, uh, Collingwood, still is to this day. Uh, just very big in the media and still in 2020 when we we're recording this, very prominent figure. So getting him to host this is is a big deal it's like on cbs if they had gotten david letterman essentially to host you know the borneo reunion rather than Bryant gumbel it's probably a the best comparison i can come with off the top of my head but this this is ahead of its time so we have eddie mcguire in the audience we're at the crown palladium Crown Casino in Melbourne, the I believe the biggest casino in the Southern Hemisphere. I could be wrong there. And the Crown Palladium, where they have the Logies. I have you know the Brownlow Medal. It's a very big amphitheater in Melbourne, where they have big events, usually televised. And here he is standing on the set with the, with the uh, you know Great Beyond on the on the deck, and he's there talking about it. Look, here I am, and. I say this ahead of his time because I don't think Jeff Probst did a live cross to a reunion uh, at least until gosh, the teens or the twenties. I could be wrong there in the US Survivor. So this sort of intercutting between the the audience and the and the crowd or the audience and the the players and the episode was a first. And gotta say, it works. I mean, they kind of have run out of steam in the US one. They start interviewing little girls about eating bowls of rice and shit. It's boring now. But this, I think it works. I'd love to know whose
3: idea it was, whether it was Stephen Peters or um, or in fact, um, you know, Ch- Channel 9 said, well, this is what we're going to do, you know, with with the actual reunion live cross because it is great. You're right. It was well, way ahead of its time. It ends up they do that all the time now. Like if they didn't do it in America, you'd be like, oh, what's going on? Um, but it, it took them a long time to sort of to, to realise this is the way to do it. So, um, no, you're right. I, I, I love it. I love the fact that uh, – any finale it, it gives that finale feeling doesn't it the fact that you see the live audience straight up you you know that okay this show this is the last night this is a finale this is the thing that everyone's been waiting for so uh yeah no it was very well done
1: and crown palladium i'm just quickly googled here says it fits 1300 guests uh, i guess on a certain you know layout uh, i don't know if that was 1300 but that that audience is packed that is absolutely packed. That audience. Now, where where was your reunion? Was that Sydney? Was that sort of just at like uh, at Channel Ten Studios or something? Was it?
3: No, it wasn't. A, it was down in Sydney. It wasn't at um, like a Channel Ten Studios. It was just um, you know some sort of uh, area that they um, like. It was a, a big building, but um, something where they hold sort of all different events, like I guess plays and um, things like that. And yeah, so it was It definitely wasn't as big as the. Uh, that that Melbourne casino uh, room, yeah, they'd probably fit a couple of hundred people at the one that I was at.
1: I was lucky enough to go to one US finale and they literally have that at CBS studios, basically on a soundstage. It's kind of when you, when you get shuffled into it, you kind of look at this building, it's a shed, what's going on. And then you kind of snake your way through and then they've got the stage and the set. And you know, that, that's quite big. I mean, it's, but I still would say there'd be more people in this than there would have been at the US one that I went to as well. So great job. And and, and it's weird to think that this show is deemed not popular, but I mean, this would, I would say to this day, hold the record for the biggest reunion and crowd that we've, ever had for Australian Survivor.
3: I wonder how you got tickets for it if, if you could get, because, I mean, it, it, obviously the, all the contestants get to have their families and and it looks like the contestants, they got about you know, it looks like they got about eight or ten tickets for each of their, you know, for their family members. But um, but there would have been a lot of seats there. So, yeah, I wonder if, if they raffled it off or if you got to, to pay for tickets. It's... It, I actually have no idea.
1: Well, we we have had sent to us, um, which we, we've either posted on social media in the lead up or we'll post it on this weekend, uh, one of our, our listeners who was friends with Naomi, she scanned uh, some photos from the finale and actually scanned a copy of the ticket. And uh, so it's actually uh, like a Ticket Tech ticket, basically that she's got that she sent to me, which she obviously got as a complimentary ticket. And got to say that I'm just looking at this ticket right now. So you have Ticket Tech, you get Australian Survivor. Uh, it says the final on it, Wednesday, fifteenth of May, two thousand and two, uh, starting at six fifteen PM sharp with no interval. So obviously they had them uh, come in a little bit earlier. But uh, of course, on the ticket it has a list of sponsors on there: Matthew Dyson, Lay, Solo, Far. <laughs> Ford and Telstra. So not our good friends at Intel, though. They're not on there.
3: <laughs> That's actually great that the, um, they kept the ticket from all those years ago. How fantastic is that? Yeah. But uh, it, Look, it would have been great. There's one shot throughout the throughout this episode where they um, show the crowd and there's a guy, like, dressed up in, like, army camo gear and he's got yep. all the, the army face
1: paint on and people are getting right into it. Glad you mentioned that. I was going to bring that up. I'm, I'm surprised we didn't see Kitty Galore in the crowd. Um, <laughs> actually,
2: <laughs> actually, that <laughs>
3: You're right. That she should have been on there. Kitty Galore, Ben Dark. Where was Ben Dark?
1: Don't know, maybe he's the guy in the army costume. Maybe that, that's him. Uh, you know, I feel I need to get an update from you at the end of this episode, Matt, about uh, Ben Dark and Kitty Galore if you've had any luck sniffing them out.
3: Well fuck it. I'll give you the I'll give you the update now. Um, you found so- Kitty Galore!
1: You found her! No. Tell me you found her!
3: <laughs> so I actually messaged Katrina Roundtree, of course, worked with um Ben Dark for for many years on Getaway and um Katrina Rantori actually got back to me and she said, unfortunately, she um, she's not heard from Ben Dark in many years and uh, didn't have any contact details for him. So that was a shame. I uh, wasn't actually expecting her to message me back, but she did. And she said, I yeah, ho- hope we track him down, but she's uh, she's lost contact with him.
1: Uh, that's very sad. Uh, and uh, honestly, it doesn't actually surprise me that she wrote back to you. I um, I interviewed her many years ago at one of the uh, Grand Prix. It might have even been the same Grand Prix that I interviewed Jonathan LaPallier at. And I mean, she lives up to her reputation. She's she's often regarded as one of the nicest people in Australian television, and she she uh, she just was so goddamn nice. Um, so that doesn't surprise me. But look, we, we there are other getaway presenters like uh Sorrel Willby. I don't know if you remember her. I, I believe I googled her recently, and I think she kind of is um maybe somewhere active online. I think I saw a profile or a website for her. Um, we, we we'll keep the dig going though, so we'll we'll see how we go.
3: We don't give up on we Australian don't. Survivor Archives. So I might have to put my attention more to, towards Kitty now instead, though.
1: <laughs> Kittygalore.com or something. Just be careful that. Don't Google that around your wife. You might get something in that you don't want to see. Um, one thing I noticed, though, like in this this whole that little recap that we just played before we came in here, it's a great little recap. Six minutes, essentially, it takes for us until we get into actual content. Now, what's weird about this episode is that we're well, not weird. That's probably the wrong word to use. As I said before, you never take your eyes off the screen in this entire episode. You're hooked to it. And I don't think you realise that six minutes has gone past until we get into this. I was over on the Oz Network when we did some, some recaps on Australian Survivor All-Stars recently. I was very critical on the opening of that, that it took like nine minutes till we got into the opening of that. Like The difference being is that, again, as I often say with Channel 10, a little bit over dramatic, a little bit milking it too much, And it just feels so forced and a just bit like, oh, okay, get on with it. We get it. There's Henry in a mountain. Oh, there's David. Okay, we get it. Let's get on with the game. Whereas this is short. It's concise. It covers everything. It covers everyone. If you hadn't seen any of this season, you would just press play, go, oh, yep. cool. All right, sweet. Cool. Yep. Got it. Got it. Got it. Boom. You're into it. Rob's dumbest dog shit. We're going to get into that. Whereas, like, with All-Stars, like, it's just kind of, you know, they're obviously focusing a little bit too much on how great five players are and ignoring the other 19. So that's just where I may be doing a bit of a comparison there and maybe it's just me shitting all over Channel 10 again.
3: Maybe we could learn something then from Season 1 because we take about 20 minutes before we actually get Sorry. into uh, <laughs> recapping these episodes. <laughs>
1: Wow, touche, Matt Dyson. We are the Channel yep. Ten when we should yep. be.
3: <laughs> but um, oh, look, I I, I love that intro that um, or oh, sorry, the recap that Lincoln gave at the start of this episode. Like, just just to have that recap and have Lincoln talk over, I thought was that was genius to to, to have
1: him do that. I, I thought it was really good. Completely agree, and. I also, before we get into this, I also love the fact that when we come back from this, you know, they have this sort of who will win $500,000, only four remain, Joel, Shona, Rob, Katie, Eddie, cuts back to Eddie, and he nearly trips down the gangplank. He's like walking down <laughs> and he's like, whoa. <laughs> um, we also see all the family members in the crowd. It's, it's pretty great. But all right. So let's let's buckle ourselves in for the uh, the Katie show here. There's, there's three sections of Katie gold. Ha <laughs> ha. See what I did there? Um this is this is all bottled up in Katie. We talked about in our last recap how she kind of was a bit, you know, clearly she was down. She was trying to hold it together and come up with something, but now Sophie's gone. Here she is. She's got nothing left to lose. So we're back at camp. All right, go ahead, Matt. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that we were surprised that she only had like the six confessionals in this
3: episode. But the reason why is because all her content and all her talking isn't in confessionals. It's actually like she's saying it to the faces of the contestants that are left over, obviously, especially Rob and, and Shona. So, um, yeah, it, 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 we do need to sort of go through it slowly because there's so much that's happening and it's not just – You know, obviously there are some great confessionals from her, but a lot of the stuff that she says is actually during gameplay – to the faces of these contestants that are remaining.
1: Some great confessionals, only the greatest confessional (laughs) in any Survivor. And just really quickly on a slight tangent, I mentioned last week about how Rob got 10 confessionals in the last episode and I said that no doubt that has been broken in Modern Survivor. I didn't do the research in every season, but I did actually happen to pull up confessionals from your season just ever so briefly and I do know that in Russell Hans's boot episode, he had 14 confessionals. So <laughs> I can't imagine what David and Luke have gotten in uh, seasons after that.
3: Well, they probably pay, paid Russell a lot of money and they only got, what, five days out of him. So um, they wanted to milk the cow while they
1: could. And it's actually interesting just quickly on this confessionals. I'll bring this up now because we're on the topic and I'll probably forget otherwise. For For a finale, and as you said, so much is said outside of confessionals. For a finale there's actually not that many confessionals at all. There's 20 in total for this episode. So Katie has six, Joel has two, Shona seven, Rob only has five. So I think you hit the nail on the head there. Basically everything is said outside of confessionals here.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And when I rewatch this, because we spoke about that on the last recap about the amount of confessionals and you realize this, you don't really need confessionals. Everything, all the juicy stuff is going on in actual gameplay. and. You know, I know you've taken a lot of notes. I've taken a, a, a lot of notes. And there's so much gets said um, just to, straight to people's faces. Um, I can't wait to get into it and just start going through it. It's brilliant.
1: To put that into comparison, episode one with 16 people in it had 20 confessionals in total. The most that had any in this entire season, episode two, had 50 confessionals. 50 confessionals in total, Sophie didn't get any in that episode. Credible. Wow. Yeah. I, well, I, I I don't really look but, at the total at the bottom until now. That's actually really be interesting to compare that to these 12-hour-long episodes that we get on Channel 10 now.
3: And I know we want to get, we want to get into it, but I'll, I'll say this before we do. Is that what makes it such a good finale, the fact that you're not relying? Yes, okay, we're saying we've got, you're saying it's the greatest confessional of all time, and that's great. But is that's what makes this finale so good? The fact is we're not relying on confessionals for it to be that great. Like we're
1: actually, it's the gameplay and the game itself that is so good. We don't need confessionals. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Um, uh, to, to compare that, uh, the most recent US finale that we would have seen before uh, this filmed Australian Outback, people in hindsight look back on that and say it's one of the worst finales of all time because we literally had three people over two hours. I don't agree with that because I have more of an emotional connection to that episode. I love the human side of that episode with Colby, Keith and Tina. But I can also see why people would think it's a little bit boring because you've literally got three people over two hours. So I understand that. But I, I don't have it on me. I could imagine the confessional count in that episode is extremely high and I think that might be where Colby, um, people in Winners at War recently brought up that Tony had 14 confessionals in an episode which equaled the most ever in a single episode uh, with Colby in that finale of 14. So uh, obviously a lot of confessionals going on there. But no, you're 100% right because what we are getting in this episode, the content, is just all in natural conversation. This is what you want in reality TV, you, you don't want a producer sitting in front of a person, kind of contriving the conversation into something else. You want it to be natural and raw, and this is what we get in this episode.
3: Yeah, you're right, and uh, mate Ben, I, I just I want to get into yes. it. Like, there's just so All much right. stuff. Let's just let's just get into it because it, it starts off. I've actually got on my notes night thirty-five, so it's it comes back from right when they finished Tribal Council. Sophie's voted out. They come back and my first word I've written on my notes is wow with three underlines on it. Ben, let's get into it.
1: I'm going to go through this as best as I can. I'm not going to do any impersonations here or anything like that. One thing also I just want to quickly add, because I don't want to forget this moment. It's on my mind right now. Jack Robin's score in this episode is perfect. It's kind of just this continuous like dramatic sort of moment that is underscoring every little bit of drama that we're seeing on screen and just adds to the mood. So we're back at camp and Katie just decides to finally speak her mind. She starts going on at Rob, saying that uh, finally we're seeing your true colours, Rob. You're so unloyal, uncommitted, um, that basically I wouldn't trust you as far as I could throw you. You make me sick. Um, Rob is basically trying to sort of defend himself, you know. Sophie came to me. What was I meant to do? Uh, Then to which Katie replies with, how can you tell Sophie that? You're as dumb as dog shit. One of the best quotes I think ever. I do love kind of they cut to sort of Shona who's just kind of got this blank look she's just looking down at the fire. One thing I'll say, Joel, Mr. Happy, he's nowhere in these. There's one moment in one of these big sort of conflicts which I laugh at Joel, uh, which we'll get to a little bit after. Uh, But Rob basically defends himself by saying that, look, you know, I've kept my word. I feel comfortable with how I play the game. I've played with integrity, whether you like it or not. And to which Katie basically goes, good on you. You're a fucking hero. I would hate to see what you call honesty oh it's so brilliant rob uh saying that it hurts like hell that he's lied to people hurts like hell that he's had to lie to her to katie and to sophie um and then he said he has a very good line here when he says but you can't choose the truth in this game without lying you can't choose it katie you've lied your ass off it's a game katie now there's still more to this no, don't- don't forget, she says, "Yeah, and you played like an asshole." Yeah, yeah. I was going to add that. <laughs> um, maybe I just I'll, okay. I'll, I'll just I'll continue everything that's said here, and maybe I'll we'll just go into what I was about to say with then too, because I think it's it's important to get all this out of the way, and then we'll get into the conversation around it. Uh, yeah, you're right. He says, "Yeah, you've played like an asshole." Um, to which Rob then goes, "Who have I hurt?" And then Katie's like, "Me, Sophie. I don't know who else, but you've hurt us." Rob replies, "I'm playing a game." Fair enough, and then Katie's like, "You're not a man." And then I love Rob. I'm not a man. And then Katie's (laughs) like, "You're gutless. You're a gutless wonder." And then Rob's like, "How am I gutless?" And then what is what is so good about Katie? And this is what I can. I love her like her her the way she's doing this is that she's basically just letting rip into Rob. You know, you're gutless. You're a piece of dog shit. You're an asshole. She's just like then. I apologize, Shona and Joel. This isn't nice to have to go over at dinner. Uh, and then we're eventually going to cut to day 36. Now, what? So much to unpack here because we're not doing this justice. We will play some of these quotes at the end. Go back and watch this because, like, this is just so incredible. But again, as we mentioned, this is all pure emotion. Katie is hurt. Katie has clearly had this deep, dying connection with Rob. And thought that this was genuinely going to go to the end. And sadly, Katie has been unable to disconnect the, the emotional relationship side of things and the friendship with the game. So Katie can't dispense the two. And that's why she's reacting like this. Rob clearly can. Rob has been playing the game hard and Rob here is trying to defend himself. Now, I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this because I have my thoughts. Everyone has their thoughts on this. And I think we're both, I think you and I are both going to look at this differently, but at the same time, see all perspectives of this because I can see Katie's side of it. Cause again, I, I mentioned this last recap. I'm probably very similar to Katie. I would react like this emotionally. If I felt I was in this much of a bond with a person only to realize, fuck, no, I'm not their number two or I'm not their final person to the end. I would probably react like this. So I can definitely connect with Katie and really feel sympathetic for her plight here and why she's reacting like this. I've had things like this in life where I've had situations where you put way too much trust in a person and then they, they gut you. I think we all have, that's not just a me. I think we've all been experiences like that in life. So I think you can really connect to Katie on that level, but also with Rob, he's hundred percent right as well. He's playing a game. It's Survivor. You have to lie. You have to deceive people. Ultimately, you can only work with one or two people true to the end. And Rob has got Shona. Rob's made a new deal with Joel. Katie doesn't factor into his plans anymore. So you can easily see both sides of this. But I'll just say from a viewer, from a fan of this game, I am so Team Katie here, and I, I fucking love Rob. I To me, the greatest player of all time, on par with David. Again, there's that conversation again, but just – even watching this 18 years later, knowing how this is going to turn out, I'm. this is where I do remember being back in 2002 cheering for Katie because I'm like, oh, God, Katie, yes, you get into him. You call him a piece of dog shit. He is a piece of dog shit. He backstabbed you. Screw you, Rob. And, again, adding to my point before about why Channel 10 missed out on having Katie come back, the redemption story, Katie coming back. This villain who needs redemption. She needs closure from having felt like this. So many layers. So anyway, I'm getting a bit passionate. Hashtag bring back Katie Gold, Matt. I want to hear your thoughts on all of this.
3: Oh, look, it's it, it made for brilliant TV. That that's undeniable. Like it it was. T- I I don't ever recall a, a scene like this where someone is so passionate about being portrayed and being turned on where they know they're going to go home and then know they're not going to win the game. Like Katie sums it up really well at the reunion. She says that she hates when they say, oh, don't take it personal. But what she says is, yeah, but you played with me for 37 days, a very person, uh, personal game. So then for to turn around and say, don't take it personally, well, ha- how am I going to take it? And I think that's important. And you, you often say about the context, well, this, this was an era of the game where you did play a very personal uh, personal game and then to then all of a sudden at the end to be turned on, you know, now you would expect it. Of course, modern-day Survivor, people can turn on you from day one. Who cares? That's the game of Survivor. That's what you signed up for. You, you've got to understand at that point it wasn't like that, although Rob and Shona obviously were playing like that, but that's not how the majority were playing. So they've got to know each other so on, on such a high level, such a personable level, and then for this to happen, it, it's rocked. It's rocked, Katie. It, it's rocked her. And look, I don't think Rob's done anything wrong, and I don't have an issue with Katie bringing it up either. So I'm on the fence. I, I think it made for great TV. Um, but look, and I was nervous about doing this podcast, Ben, like this episode, because are we going to do it justice? You really do need to sit down and watch it, because it, it's like nothing you sort of. At this point in particular, nothing you've seen on Survivor before. It, it really wasn't. So yeah, look, it's um it's amazing TV. And um, you know, we, we offer we we obviously get to see a lot more from Katie and, and this continues over the next two days. But uh look, yeah, i I guess if you're a Rob fan, you're on Rob's side. And if you're a Katie fan, you're gonna be seeing it from her point of view. I'm on the fence.
1: What is so great about this episode though, too, I mean, you summed it up perfectly there. You're on Rob's side, Katie's side, but we've got two of the arguably biggest characters this game has ever seen in our country, the two biggest characters on this season. And, and that's not being disrespectful to to Shona, Craig, anybody else in this season, but I think you'd agree with me. The, the two stars of this season are Rob and Katie. The fact that you've got to choose either side, it, it, it's it's ballistic. <laughs> that's a weird word I want yeah. to use, but like you don't get this. You didn't have Luke versus David you know, in, in champions versus contenders too, did you? Like it would have been fantastic if we did, we wanted to see Rob versus Russell in redemption Island. We sort of got a bit of it in heroes versus villains, but it ultimately didn't plan out pan out that way. You know, you, you kind of, you want to see these characters work together, but at the same time, you also want to see these characters be against each other because then it's going to be big, huge, massive television. Ultimately these two have worked together all season, but then you get this head moment right now where it kind of, it comes down to this, this level of, of conflict. And it's just it's incredible and I I I don't think we've seen this in any like the closest I can think of anything to compare this to in US Survivor is Ian and Tom in Palau what we had in the finale there. I can't think of any other season. Maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm you know I mean I know we had a lot of conflict in All Stars, but that sort of came at the midway point based on pre-game sort of stuff. It wasn't sort of in-season stuff.
3: Well, you you think of you immediately think of Lex and and uh, Rob Mariano yeah. when when Lex obviously saved Amber, and and he was doing that, for, you know, because he thought that they had a a relationship outside of the game, um, and obviously so so Lex sort of hurt his game thinking, well, I'll, I'll keep Amber in to help Rob out, but then Rob was he was playing the game, so he 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 was able to. To, to, to put that line in the sand and say, Well, obviously, I like Lex, but I'm here to win and and he turned on lex and and Lex was very vocal, especially at that that final uh tribal about that about you know that famous line where he says, well you know you, you've you've chosen you know a million greenbacks over a friendship you know so um and and you can kind of relate that to how Katie's singing. I think Katie was in that same mindset as lex she lex was hurt and and katie. Was was just as hurt in 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 this instance. So, um, yeah, you know, you got to remember too. But Katie was twenty four years old. Like, I don't, I know we mention it, but I don't think people think of it because it was so long ago. Too think, oh, you know, Katie was this this you know mature woman. I'm not saying she wasn't mature. She was very mature for a twenty four year old. But you're still twenty four. You know, Rob was what thirty seven. He had a lot more life expect. Shona was forty nine. Shona mentions that later on that. You know, at the end of the day, they've got a lot more life experience um, at handling disappointment.
1: And I think, yeah, there's definitely a conversation around this later on. And I think there's there's a moment there where Katie really does sum that up about her being 24 because you're right, like it doesn't really get brought up a whole lot, Katie's age, until this episode. She has a great moment coming up in a confessional that she says about this. But yeah, I think I've constantly said about like when we talked about Jane, Her Royal Highness, that... I was an idiot at 18. I was still an idiot at 24. I'm still an idiot at 33. You know, it's just, it's just, I'm an idiot. But, but you're more of an idiot at that age because again, you're right. You don't have that life experience. And you hate hearing that as a 24 year old. You hate hearing that as an 18 year old. Like, Oh, shut up. I've got like, just cause I don't have life. Ex- like you really fucking hate hearing that. But when you get older, you all, it clicks you're like, ah, eh. people were right when they used to tell that to me. And it's like right now, our respective ages, we're in our thirties. But I'm sure when we hit 40, 50, 60, we're going to look back at when we're in our 30s going, oh, well, I didn't even understand back then. Like you, the older you get, the more you understand. And you said it there a second ago, Katie's very mature for 24, but the cracks come out. Event- like you can be the most mature 17-year-old and hold your head up high, but there's still that 17-year-old in you that can seep through the cracks, and this is what's happening with Katie as a 24-year-old. I think what's also important to remember is in modern-day
3: Survivor, there's so many tribe swaps. Twists, turns, exile, beaches, um, things happening. Alliances are changing. That you know, although you get close, you can get close with someone, and we've seen some close alliances go a long way in modern day Survivor. It's still different. This is people who started out on day one, played every second of the game together, all the way through as the tribe, then as that their alliance. You know, they didn't ha- ever have to worry about the tribe swaps. You know, and Different relationships. They they picked their alliance and they stuck with it right from day one.
1: And and it's important to remember. And that, that's very important to remember. I mean, a second ago I brought up the only comparison I can think of outside of All Stars was Tom and Ian. Now, what do we remember from Palau? We remember the the dominance of Karol, don't we? Ulong got completely yeah. decimated. So you again have that example of a tribe that dominates another. So the relationships are going to be tighter and form stronger this season. Tapara. Obliterated Kadena, and they've been together every single day. So those relationships connect. If there was a tribe swap halfway through this season, it's not going to be this way. Katie and Rob would have got if they had have been separated, would have formed different alliances, and it wouldn't be as strong. Now we're never going to have this again unless we go to a back to the basics Borneo rule style Survivor, which I hope they do one day. We're never going to have this again. And as you said, you're right. The modern Survivor, there's a tribe swap every six seconds. There's an idol. There's this. There's that. You know, that's how the games play today. Fantastic, but. Modern fans would not understand this because at this time, this is how it was played. And, again, that goes back to our point, relationships are so much more important in earlier Survivor because this is why people are forming genuine friendships. 37 days together here. And that might not sound on paper like a long time, but you played Survivor, Map for two days. I'm sure those two days felt like a week. You know, what yep. does 37 days feel like?
3: Yeah. You're a hundred percent right. Yes. I lasted two days and I don't even want to imagine how 37 days would be because two days was hard enough. You know, I didn't sleep at all in that. I think I slept like 20 minutes in two days. You know, your mind's constantly thinking, um, especially for me, like I knew I was always sort of at the bottom of the pecking order. So my mind was really racing a lot. So to to imagine to last 37 days with your mind racing all that time, and I hadn't even built up any relationship. She had built a relationship with Rob that she describes numerous times in, in this episode that she thought was special and different to other relationships. So that's another thing we've got to, we've got to talk about is the fact that sh- this isn't just someone that she's teamed up with to get to the end. This is someone that she believes has, and she says that Rob made her feel special and, um, and, and that they had something special in a relationship. So You know, to do all that, have that relationship and play the game of Survivor, oh, mate, no wonder it it boiled down to this.
1: The only comparison you can have on this to the U.S. Survivor at this point in time, Borneo, Sue Hawk, and Kelly Wigglesworth, of course, the Rats and Snakes speech, the closest you could have to any sort of comparison and as iconic. As that is. I mean, I I recently read, I think Entertainment Weekly did a top 40 moments in Survivor history heading into the top 40 seasons. That was the number one moment in Survivor history that they labeled. I remember on Survivor Oz, when we did a top 25 moments in Survivor history, you know, maybe five, six years ago, that I think at least made the top five. Still considered one of the most iconic moments, clearly, but as as iconic as that is uh i kind of feel the stuff that's happening in this episode is even more raw and personal than sue hawk's rats and snakes speech which is i don't like (laughs) saying that because that moment is just etched in time as not just survivor but television history but yeah
3: yeah i'm glad you mentioned that actually because yeah that that rats and snakes speech is always something that any survivor fan will always remember and know of but uh There were a lot of big moments in early days Survivor, wasn't it? And for any Australian Survivor fan, I I understand the younger people now that has never watched this, obviously it's different. But for us, people like us, um, yeah, this this finale is up there with what
1: you remember. And, I mean, let's be honest, if we're just kind of looking at moments in Australian Survivor, and, again, another episode itself, but, you know, even Channel 7 Season 2, are there any huge moments? Yeah, There are. Maybe, but uh, I mean, I don't know if we really get any until what? Christy on the pole, crying to Lee. I, I, I really don't know.
3: Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, look, there's definitely look, there's definitely been some some big talking points and moments in 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 uh, in modern day Survivor, but this is different, Ben. Like this is different, and uh, and I think just just this opening segment that we've just talked about now, I really encourage people, you know, to actually watch it to to get the episode and watch it because I don't think we are doing it justice because I don't think you can just by talking about it you need to actually watch it and see the raw emotion and there's raw emotion from Rob as well um you know Rob's defending himself he's defending himself he he's being told you you covered it that I'm I'm not a man you're you're, you're gutless all this stuff and he's got to sit there and I and I think something we haven't talked about I think Rob handles it pretty well like he could have turned on, on 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 Katie. He could have turned and said, "Hey, don't you dare talk to me like that. You know, don't you, you know, have some respect, blah blah blah." But I think he he understands like he knows deep down that he has turned on Katie and that Katie's taking it very, you know, in a very personal way and
1: and I think he actually does. I've got to give credit to Rob here. He does handle the situation very well. I mean, you're absolutely right. A hundred percent right. And that kind of leads us into sort of a, a little, little break before we get Katie going off again. Um, And this is sort of going, uh, we mentioned last recap that Rob hadn't really showed a vulnerable side, I think until that last episode, maybe when he sort of was questioning who had voted for him, but even then it wasn't really that bad, but this is really Robert. most vulnerable. I mean, Ro- Rob's almost ready to go home. He's He's basically carving here, He's, he's saying this is his only bit of sanity. He's he's carved this piece of wood that he feels like if he goes home that night, he's going to hand it to Lincoln. It says the tribe has spoken and kind of doing a nice little ceremony. And I believe Lincoln uh, said he still has that. So uh, that's a nice little way out to go there. But Rob, Rob's genuinely feeling that he is in trouble here, which is which is interesting because Rob is in no danger. <laughs> Rob, out of all these people, Rob is in no danger. We know that Rob wins the final two immunities here, but. Rob didn't need to win these two immunities. If, if Katie had a one, Joel was going home. Um, y- you know, if Katie had then won the final uh, immunity challenge, I still think she would have taken Rob. Um, so yeah, I, I, I Rob, out of all these four, was in the least amount of danger of anyone. But I guess he's emotionally drained. He talks a lot about this, about how, like, it's just it's, he's not feeling sane. He's, you know, he, he basically almost says at one point that he's ready to go. Like, he, he's just he's just done. And as you said, though, he handles it very, very well. He's, he's copping it on the chin. He says in the reunion that he's never caught this much abuse before, even in playing football. So, clearly, it is taking a lot. And this is, this is one thing that I'll, like, I mentioned before, like, yeah, I'm Team Katie, but. It is very difficult to watch this because I'm still a Rob fan and you do have to feel for Rob copping this and that Rob clearly, yeah, he's played on a different level where he can separate the emotions from the game. But at the same time, I think Rob is taking a lot of this quite personally. Is he's, he's, he's almost being told that you didn't mean anything that you said throughout this season and Rob's kind of, well, hang on a minute, no, that that's not true. And that goes back to my point before about how we've all been on that end where we've felt betrayed by a person. I think most of us have all been on the other side of things too, where we've had somebody tell us that we've felt betrayed by them and you've got to try and explain to them, well, no, that's not true. Just because I feel this way now, I didn't, you know. So, yeah, it is definitely one of those situations where, as you said, you're on the fence because you can easily see all sides of the argument here. Um Katie mentioning in one of her little sections there about how she feels like she has no friends. Joel held her hand. So that was a quite nice little moment for her. Um, Katie in another confessional that she pities Rob, how he played the game, uh, hoping that Shona and Joel will come to her side. And that guy come hella high water is going down. I do like that little moment there from Katie. Um, They go down to the water here. They've got buckets and shovels. I don't. I guess they're just digging up the abalone things and that. Because Rob here gets twenty abalones. Basically, I like that moment there too when Rob saves a slug from the waves about to sweep (laughs) it away. Kind of covers it up. Um, I I do like Rob's confessional though when he's talking about I'm not the most popular camper at the moment. I'm trying to get some points back. Uh, And they're talking about the food, but this is that Katie confessional. One of like. (laughs) This is what's so great about Katie this episode. She's going from yelling at people, calling them dumb as dog shit and assholes to that guy's going down, come hell or high water to all of a sudden just breaking down where she's basically like, this is in a confessional by the way, that I might appear to be strong on the outside, but I'm still just a little girl and can get hurt. I just want my dad to come and give me a hug. He made me feel like I was special and that we had a special relationship and it's not true. Now, I realized Katie got a lot of hate after this episode during this episode in the reunion, but you can't watch that and not feel for the girl. You summed it up when this is still a 24 year old girl. She she's in the midst of, Hey, I've got this tough exterior, but I just want a hug from my dad. Like, and she's crying while she's doing this. Like this is one of those scenes to me, which is hard to watch. I just, I just feel so bad for her at this point.
3: Yeah. It it was hard to watch. And uh, yeah. So that, and it's even just for, they wake up on day thirty six, and, and you you sort of did mention it about how you said Joel held her hand during the night for a bit just to to comfort her, which I thought was 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 obviously great from Joel, just because everyone knew that she was really struggling by this point, you know, um, on day thirty six. You know, she would I got no doubt Katie would have woke up that morning and and re- was rethinking about what she had said the night before and how she handled it, you know, she'd still be highly emotional. Um, but, you know, she was probably thinking, you know, did I go too far or, you know, it, it's hard when, when you're that emotional. And there's, and I can think myself, you know, over the years, you know, there, there's there's that there's a couple of times in your life where you get extremely emotional. I don't think anyone is, is sort of, gets away with that in life. I think it, it, certain parts of your, your life you you can remember the times when you really hit that high point of being emotional and I've got no doubt this is one of those times for Katie. Um you know and you think about how you could have handled it differently, but uh you're right, Rob. I think this is draining Rob as well. Like Rob's been playing such a hard game um and his sole goal is to get to the end and win, but you know he, he mentions he mentions that uh he's depleted that you know this game is the toughest game he's He's ever played much harder than football and and it's really depleted him. So you get a really good insight on on how it's affecting Rob as well.
1: And this is what I love about this episode on so many levels and what I love about everything else is that, yeah, you've got the, the classic entertainment of Katie having a breakdown and abusing everyone left, right and centre. We'll have the greatest confessional of all time coming up. There's so much to love. But this is also what I love about Old School Survivor it's that depletion. It's that draining level. It's that, that pure, that pure just pain that they're feeling right now. 37 days living in butt fuck nowhere, South Australia whalers way, you know, and it's, it's just drain them. And, this is going back to my point about the Australian Outback finale. What I love about that it's kind of it's so personal, and you're learning about what the you know they've dealt with, and I love that about Survivor. I, I love that's what drew me. Part of what drew me to the show is seeing these people struggle, and you know thinking to yourself mentally, well, how would I cope living like that? You just don't get this anymore, and th- that's that's even more disappointing in modern Australian Survivor. They're playing for fifty days, fifty-five days in season three and season four. I want to see this. This is only sounds weird saying it this is only 39 days you know they're playing an extra two weeks in season three and season four i want to see that i want to see the struggle but sadly no one does anymore they want to see the gameplay they want to see the idols they want to see the blind sides it that that makes me sad because this like this is what we're getting from pure emotion and breakdowns and everything like this you just you don't see this anymore and it's a it's a it's a shame. Well, you're right, and 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 this is what I love about this very
3: next scene because um, it, it comes back to this high five scene. But remember <laughs> when we first talked about this? This is when when Rob was at one of his low low points, and then all of a sudden, like the next episode, he he was handing out the high fives, and and then Joel's like, oh, he's a high five guy, and then they go back to it again, which is great editing because you're right you don't see that in modern day survivor the ups and downs as much as you do in this, these early seasons where this is a classic example now they, they're joking about it on day 36 they're joking about the high five rob ha- he's collecting some abalone he's like oh joel i've got 20 abalone and joel's like "Ah, oh, are you a high five type of bloke you've got to be and then rob's <laughs> like uh, i'm not he, they're all joking about it. he's like nah, i'm not a high five type of bloke but i'll give you one you know and so because obviously the mood's a little bit better at this point so it's like it, I find that interesting. We, we've spoken about this three different occasions now about this high five thing, but it just shows you how one day you you know you can't even give the bloke a high five. He's not a high five bloke. And then days later, he, they're joking about it, giving high five. So that's another thing. That's what I love about the editing with this part of the game. It's showing that raw emotion.
1: And what I actually really like about this moment too, you're right, it's like the third time we've seen it. And it's like the first time I was just like, high five. And Rob's like, oh fuck off. I don't want to, I'm not a high five guy. And then last episode it was like, yeah, man, give me a high five. And then this time Rob's kind of like, well I'm not, but I'll give you one. But I actually the one thing I really appreciated is when Rob comes with his 20 abalone, and like before Joel even does that, are you a high five type of bloke? Joel just stands out. I swear it's for like 10 seconds with this like <gasps> shot look on his face. Like, like Joel is just nowhere really in this episode, which is kind of a shame because okay, it's not really a shame in in many aspects because he's the only one really here who doesn't get involved in the conflict so there's not much to show and he's got his own story to tell, which we'll get to. But ever since Joel made that deal, Joel's just high on life again. Like, Joel was just Mr. Happy. And I've got a bit to say about Joel when it comes to his vote, actually, because we'll still kind of briefly eulogise these, you know, players in this episode as best as we can. But, um, yeah, I do I do kind of like that moment. We get into part two. Uh, sorry, about do you want to before we get into part two of Katie's no, breakdown? No, well,
3: I think you were just about to, to go into it. But
1: uh, this is why I'm, I'm so interested to hear your thoughts about Katie's apology. My favourite of the three breakdowns is probably this one because I just love how this happens because this is literally, like you mentioned it before, Katie's maybe woken up. She's kind of, you know, maybe felt a little bit of regret. And, again, this is, I think, where I can connect with Katie and I'm not just trying to make this all about me. I i don't know how you feel in these situations. Like I'm this type of person who I get emotional. I'm going to have something similar to what happens with Katie I'm gonna go away for a couple of hours, all the next day, and kind of feel a bit of regret and try and fix it. But then all of a sudden, shit will flood back, and I'm right back there and fuck you all. So like, this is what <laughs> I love about this moment because Katie's literally like, Shona, please come out here. I've got some things to say. In case like I apologize for last night, it was, you know, uh, you know, foul language and finger pointing. But Rob, you're a fucking asshole. <laughs> like, it's <just> basically <laughs> like, it's not quite like that. But she's basically like, Rob, I'm sorry, Rob, you don't believe me. That I'm sorry your mind operates on lies <laughs> and deceit. <destitute. laughs> and I understand. Uh, like, I just love, like, Katie's, Katie's just a passive aggressive apology. And th- yeah. that is me. That is how I yeah. would do this situation. It's an apology with a backhander at the same oh, yeah. time, isn't it? It's like,
3: yeah. it's like I'm I'm sorry that you've been operating on deceit and lies. Like that's not an <laughs> apology. She's <you>, apologising, <laughs> but also tarnishing his game by saying, "Oh, but it's all been deceit and lies." It's it's a backhander.
1: Yeah, I just uh th- th- again, this is why I maybe like her so much because I, I can just relate to this. I've done this on numerous times in my life,
3: <laughs> and I love I love Rob's <laughs> reply. And his first words are, with all due respect, whenever you hear those words, that's when you know it, it, this is
1: going to start turning bad and ugly real quick. It's like the, you know, no offense, but, uh, <laughs> you know, like, um, yeah, uh, so yeah, Rob kind of brings that back up, uh, talking, you know, Rob brings up a few good points, like, well, actually when I say a few good points, I... I there are some things I disagree with Rob when it comes to him basically trying to imply Katie's doing the same thing. Now it's a, this is a tricky one to get into because yes, he's right, but no, he's not right because Rob's definitely done it on a different level to Katie. And we'll get to that more later on when Shona comes into the debate down the rocks.
3: Well, you're right. I, I, I'm going to read the, And, and you're, that's actually a good point. You mentioned about, did Katie re- was she playing the same as Rob probably not but I- I'm going to read I'll just read it here on my notes I'm going to read it so she- Rob says oh with all due respect I don't see how what I've done in the game is so far removed from what you've done which I think so he's trying to pass the butt saying well hang on a sec Katie you're abusing me here but you've done the same thing and I love her re- re- reply she's like well played you lied in my face you spat on my face really well played congratulations you're a champion <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, It's so good because I, I love I love snarky sarcastic Katie. Like uh, you know when before was it? Would she say like you're a fucking legend or something like that, or you're a fucking champion yeah, yeah. or something like that? Champion, but, yeah. So but then, then Rob kind of rebuts. You know, you came to me, Katie. What was I meant to say? And and that's a fair point. Like this is my viewpoint as a you know a Monday morning quarterback, never playing the game, but from my analysis of watching Survivor for twenty years, if someone comes to you and asks you a question, do you want to be in alliance? Do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? Always say yes. Don't say no or kind of don't shuffle around the fact. To me, it's a always say yes situation. So, Robbie's completely correct there, in my opinion, anyway. But I do, <laughs> this is where, again, where I love Katie's emotions that all of a sudden she turns this into this analogy. There's like some little back and forth here that I absolutely love, where basically Katie's like, what do you do if three women come up to you and say, I'm in love with you? I want to be in your life, to which you hear Rob subtly go, I'm married, (laughs) (laughs) to then then, which Katie, like, ignoring that, goes, do you say, I accept you, I accept you, I accept you, and you root every single one of them because that's what you did to us. Rob replies, are you telling me I'm morally inept or is this a moral thing with sex and shit? (laughs) And to which Katie, sarcastic, snarky (laughs) Katie, I'm drawing drawing an analogy. I'm drawing an analogy, darling. <laughs> yeah, I love
3: I love that that. Uh, and yeah, she's 24 and she's using the. darling word oh Oh, it's
1: great that is such a condescending line like we've all been the recipient of that i'm sure we've all used that line where you are being a little bit condescending but then like it just keeps going like rob you're accusing me of some serious shit in your last tirade and then all of a sudden in great katie fashion similar to what she did the night before where she's like you know you're a pizza dog you're this. i apologize shona for this she just turns to shona also, Shona, I don't think I've met in my life a more courageous, more single-minded, more beautiful, kind, intelligent woman than you. <laughs> Just I think it was at, I, think, I
3: think it was at that point that Rob knew that uh, he wasn't going to get Katie's vote at yeah. the
1: final trial. Oh, absolutely. But th- this is actually really interesting, and I'm really looking forward to getting this from Katie next week about her Shona relationship because – We don't really get a lot. Like, we had a sort of an episode, didn't we, where Katie kind of was saying that Shona's getting a little bit on her nerves, like kind of, you know, talking down to her and stuff like that. But outside of kind of the group work with Rob and a few little bits and bobs here and there. This is really the first time we ever get a real level of understanding because then we've got Shona's confessional where it kind of cuts to her where she's basically saying that she's an extraordinary young woman, that she identifies the most with Katie, and that Katie is basically a 25-year-old version of her uh, which which is, like, I love hearing this stuff from Shona because we've obviously seen Shona a lot this season struggle with getting along with the women, sort of feeling like she's a bit out of place and all that sort of stuff. And she even says a line, I'm going to be quite frank with you, Katie, I've come to love you a lot, which is, like, coming from Shona, that means a little bit more. This is, a you know, the strongest female character maybe in all of Australian Survivor. And she's basically right now letting a guard down and being a bit vulnerable and saying to Katie, I love you. And she even then says, I do care deeply about you as a friend and I hope our friendship will go on. I have enormous respect for you, Katie. Holy crap. Hits me in the feels, Matt Dyson. That is a deep thing coming from Shona.
3: It is. And that's one thing I, I said at the start that I was, I was really enjoyed watching how Shona handled this situation. You, she's clearly got a lot of respect for Katie and she – Mentions it throughout this whole episode that she really sees Katie as basically herself when she was 25. Like, you know, she's she's, Katie's so determined. You know, she knows what she wants and she's a go-getter. And and I got no doubt that's what Shona was like. And Shona says, "Well, she, you know, she reminds me of myself." So you're right. If Shona's saying this, she's not saying this for the camera. She's saying this because she means it. If she if she didn't get along with someone, trust me, Shona wouldn't be saying any of those things.
1: And we mentioned it. Um, in one of the episodes recently about there was a, there was a moment where Shona's kind of let, let a guard down a little bit on the social game, when she's kind of talking down to people and kind of, you know, speaking and snapping a little bit rudely, but you know, on that, I mean, Shona's always just going to speak her mind. She's that type of person where she's going to say it, how it is. She doesn't care how it comes across. Now I actually think this is really intelligent gameplay by Shona as well. I don't, Having said that, I don't think she's faking this. I think this is completely genuine. But you you mentioned it just then. There's no way that Rob is getting Katie's vote at this point. And I think Shona kind of can pick up on that. So Shona's all of a sudden going to go, well, hey, I love you, Katie. You're great. Again, I don't think she's faking it. I think she means it completely genuinely. But this is that level of social game where all of a sudden you've got to be genuine. You've got to drop a clangor like this and you pick your moment and she's picked the moment perfectly. And, yeah, absolutely. Boom. That's If it hadn't already, that's secured Katie's vote for Shona right there.
3: Well, I'm glad you're talking about so, uh, shown a social game because I guess at times we've we've kind of maybe said that her social game wasn't the greatest because she can get a bit snappy with people. But then when you think about it, her social game with Craig, her social game with Katie, were very good. She knew, and I'm not, and you're, you're right. I don't think she was making it up, but she really made them feel in, important. That's a great social game, and and she ended up getting both of their votes. So I think. Yeah, I think her social gain,
1: Shona, yeah, is is better than sometimes what she gets credit for. 100% agree. And and let's let's be honest there. I mean, had she maybe been a bit different with Jane, uh, you know, probably could have gotten Jane's vote, um, you know, and then we see Sophie sort of struggle a little bit coming up with why she voted for Rob at the reunion, but it ultimately comes down to the game. So, yeah, Shona... We'll talk a bit about Shona, of course, uh, this episode in the coming weeks. But definitely overlooked, I think. And you, you kind of really, you know, put a candle this, you know, a week or so ago when you brought up and we were talking about great female contestants in the history of Australian Survivor. Uh, Shona has to be in that conversation for sure. I I feel I definitely have undersold Shona a lot in my time talking about the greats of Australian Survivor. And yeah, this rewatch is really putting her up there. She's a top top five top three female player of all time and, and top 10 Australian Survivor player of all time there, I'm saying it.
3: Yeah, absolutely, and she'd be one of the first to go into any Hall of Fame, um, Survivor Hall of Fame, you know, absolutely. But uh, you said about maybe she could have done better with Jane. I think at the end of the day, like, I, I probably disagree with that just simply because I don't think she had anything in common with Jane. You know, she, um, you know Shona's not a mother. She certainly um not that motherly sort of figure where Jane sort of needed that. Shona she 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 gravitates to people that are go getters, know what they want, have had life experience or plan to sort of do, you know, a lot of big things, you know, big extraordinary things in, in her life. So I, I find it would be very hard for Shona and Jane, especially Jane when she was 18, to sort of get on any type of level that would have been, yeah, you, know, you know, I think Rob would have definitely been able to
1: relate to Jane more than a shona. I understand that and I don't disagree with that. I I think I meant it was more of a case of, I mean, we heard Jane talk about how she just had no conversation with Shona. She just felt nothing there. Like, you know, Rob is an older man and kind of, she felt like that was more like that. Like maybe if you just not as standoffish Mm. to her and kind of maybe acknowledge her a little bit and just play something there again, Shona doesn't seem to me the type of person that can do that though because she just she just says it how it is she just does what mm-hmm. it is and she's always going to be that type of person so I don't really think that was in her to do that and you're right because you're not going to connect with an 18 year old if you're 49 fair enough that that's ha- that's mm-hmm. how it rolls so um yeah it's it's interesting um I do like kind of we get a confession here from Shona sort of saying that if if Katie wins Immunity. Joel's going next. So it's it's that simple. Um, we go back to Eddie for a little bit. There's an ad break. Eddie's like, here comes Katie. Now, I'm not going to forget this week, Matt. I'm going to let you read this out. But uh, can I please, once you read out this challenge mail, can I play the part of Shona for her reaction to this, please? <laughs> well, you know, the funny thing was when I was reading watching this, I,
3: I was actually thinking the same thing. And then Shona took the words right out of my mouth. And I, I was like, <laughs> Shona's spot on. So I'll read it. I'm glad you actually remembered this week, uh, Ben. You're You're welcome. uh, (laughs) All right. So it was written on a shell. So the challenge mail was written on a shell. It says, one step at a time, find what is yours. Winning is cool
1: when your flag soars. Is that it? That's it, it, Ben. That's it, Ben. (laughs) (laughs) Gee. The thing I actually really like about this section, though, too, is because you think it's just Katie and Joel. You don't actually even realize that Shona and uh, Rob are there. And then the way that, like, he reads it out, and then they quickly pan to Shona. Obviously, the camera person is expecting there to be this reaction. And Shona's just, just like, really, is that it? And then they kind of cut to Rob and then they go, gee.
3: But no, then then Joel reads it again. So Joel ends up reading it again. And then so Shona gets to hear it one more time. And then she says at the end, gee. Yeah. yeah like, <laughs> so she's got confirmation. That really is all it is.
1: Now, uh, this is one of the ones where I think we're just going to quickly skim over at the reward challenge here. Basically, they've got a large tower. They've got little stumps in the ground. They've got planks that they have to go across to each stump. They've got to collect four flags and pegs of a certain colour They can't go on the same stump at the same time, and they can't cross over the planks at the same time. Katie, second challenge in a row, performs a massive comeback. She wins. Uh, Two little things of note here that I actually really like. I like it when Rob basically blocks Shona. He's like, make a choice, Shona. I'm not moving. And then Shona's just like, Jesus, Rob. Rob's leading at this point 3-1-1. How he loses is I don't know. Uh, And even the little moment when Katie wins, you hear Rob go, well done, Katie, to which Katie's just like, Thanks, Rob. Now, the reward is ice cream, uh, where you get uh, all the fixings, as Jeff would say. And all the trimmings. All, all the, the trimmings. trimmings and can't use fixings, of course. Uh, and you then also get a, an advantage in the immunity challenge, which is a nice little twist. I don't think Australian, uh, US Survivor had done an advantage at that point too. So she will get basically one correct answer in the challenge the next day. We're that it. It's going to be a Q&A one. Katie shares a reward, which... I have to say, looks a little bit reluctantly this time around. Uh, I don't think she wanted to do it, but I'm very intrigued next week to find out from Katie Winer earth she did considering all the tirades that she's gone on with this. I do love Shona, chocolate sauce, like complaining there. Well, not complaining, getting excited. And also, Joel, we get a giddy up. We haven't heard giddy a giddy up, up in yeah. a while. Yeah, so <laughs> I know you, you, this made you mad, no doubt, but um, interesting that she still shared oh, after everything I, that I, had I, happened.
3: Look, I am... I am mad. I'm more mad at Stephen Peters. Why at this point in the game is he still letting him bloody share the reward? Stephen Peters, come on. <laughs> at this time of the game, she should have been allowed to take one person away. Who do you reckon she would have taken? Shona or Joel? Joel. Yeah, absolutely. To sway him. Absolutely. Yeah. you imagine if they get to sit down and they get to they have the ice cream, all the trimmings, the 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 chocolate uh the shaved chocolate that they get as well that was one of the trimmings and uh they get to sit down for a half an hour and katie could just talk to joel and have one more real good chat around you know just in a private chat where she could really get into his mind and say look joel come on like you know but i don't know it's 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 annoying it's annoyed me the part of this whole bloody getting to to share the the bloody rewards
1: now matt just on a quick tangent, uh, ice cream, are you an ice cream man? Uh, ice cream, you scream, you all scream for ice cream. And, uh, you know, what, what? what's your poison when it comes to some ice cream?
3: Uh, I'm a choc mint guy, Ben. Oh, good choice. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, I,
1: I don't mind a bit of the choc mint myself.
3: Yeah, I'm a choc mint guy. And if I get,
1: uh, if you're at Cold Rock and you get to put, I like the oh, caramello put in. Good choice. i tell you what, I'm not, I'm not like I have a sweet tooth, but I'm not a huge person for like, you know, junk food. Like I, I like my chips. I like my chocolate. Don't get me wrong, but I'm not one of the, I'm not a Shona or a Craig here. But if I, if I had one sort of, you know, bad food that I would be very much into, it definitely would be ice cream. So if there was a reward challenge and ice cream was on the table, I, I would be going there. I, I'm much more of a savory person. Like if it was garlic bread and freaking, you know, uh, fries, I, I would be more excited. But if there was a sweet reward that I had to choose, Ice cream or chocolate milk. Chocolate milk. Wasn't there Channel 10 one where they all got chocolate milk?
3: Yeah, when um Sam won it, he was wanting his chalky milk. But uh, uh, that was in my season. But um Ben, let's be I've seen the photos of you recently of how much weight you've lost. You don't touch that stuff anymore. Come on.
1: I had a three week break on my diet over Christmas where I had some ice cream, but no, I I honestly have not been able to have ice cream in basically twelve months. You can kind of have a keto ice cream, but um yeah it's been oh, it's making me sad actually. now I see, I'm actually very partial to the f- vanilla flavor. I like caramel as well. Uh, but like when I say vanilla, not like that fake vanilla. I'm talking about real genuine like vanilla bean. um but hokey pokey, I'm quite a hokey pokey man uh, and also splices, good ice cream. if you've ever tried splice in a tub, mm, that is that is some good shit. An English <laughs> toffee. Give me a good old uh. English toffee as well. so. Like that and honeycomb. God, I just love ice cream. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Joel liked it because you're right. He did give that giddy up, didn't he? Giddy up, giddy up. All right. Uh, now we before we get to the pre before we get to the immunity challenge, just a few little moments here. Kind of in between all the yelling and the screaming, we actually do have some fairly genuine, emotional, nice little moments here. Uh, everyone's slow to get up the next morning. They're going to the toilet and fishing basically. So we kind of have the they separate into groups. Essentially, Shona and Joel go fishing, and then we have Rob and Katie who make up at least we think they're making up because they essentially have a big color. It's, a ni- it's actually like a really nice little moment. It's a big hug. We've got Jack Robin's great sad theme again in the background there really fits the mood. We have a Rob confessional where he's essentially saying, I need to go home and see a psych after this. Um, Even says to Katie, and again, channel 10, you should be watching this scene because Rob is basically says to Katie, would you do this again? And Katie's like, well, I wouldn't say no. And she does a great analogy, analogy, darling, where it's like doing a race that halfway through you're like, fuck this, I could never do this again. But that sense of achievement of when you get to the end, you would want to do it again as well. And I also love Katie's confessional here where, again, you think things have calmed down now. You think he's, she's going to finally forgive him. You know, it doesn't make Rob a bad person. It, may, it You know, he led people on, but he's got his reasons. So, again, you're thinking, okay, things good here. And then... We get a great Shona and Joel moment where they're fishing and then Shona just has this nice little moment with Joel where she's basically like... You know, you're always curious, you're always looking, you're, you're you're energetic. She refers to him as a warrior. I don't know if this is just like the – if Shona calls us a warrior in a you know a couple of episodes time, it's going to be the biggest badge of honour, I think. I, I was given a, a nickname by Philip Shepard. I kind of remember what my nickname was when he gave out everyone nicknames and all that sort of stuff. That was a pretty cool thing. But if Shona could call me a warrior because Craig's a warrior, Joel's a warrior, fantastic. And I also love the bit where she's like, you're a bloody nice bloke and gives him a hug. I've gotta ask
3: you, Ben, is she throwing out the warrior line a bit willy-nilly? It's only twice, you know? Yeah, a warrior. She's, but she's <laughs> <laughs> she's already told Craig he's a warrior. Now I wanna know how Craig feels about that. He's been built up as the warrior. Now we find out Craig, sorry mate, you're not the warrior, you're still just the creep. Uh, J- Joel's the warrior.
1: Craig, I know you listen, mate. Shoot us a <laughs> message. How did you feel seeing this that all of a sudden did you send Shona a text and like, Oi, I'm your warrior, not this Joel? Like what, what's what's wrong with you? Um, it's like just
3: because, just because um, Craig's gone by this point, you can't just be – then renaming it. It's like rebadging a card. You can't just be renaming someone else the warrior. She's already given
1: that name to Craig. Is she, is she playing the game? Back to what I was saying before about like, yeah. you know, uh, you know, just yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Keeping Joel on side so that he, he doesn't, you know, sway. Um, I'll let you read the tree mail here. This is your this is your last time, I believe, that you will be reading this all season. I don't think we get a tree mail for our final immunity challenge, but I just want to set the scene here. Shona's getting a bit 2020 COVID nineteen here. She's got the face mask on. Good on you, Shona. And we also get a moment here where Rob is sleeping on Katie's bed. And we get a very weird camera in the boat. Like this is screaming of recreation here. This is not a natural shot uh, because they want Rob to come out and uh, join in on the conversation. So, is it challenge mail time, Ben? It is. Go for it. This is your this is your Sorry. last time, Matt Dyson, until season two.
3: Have I done all right reading the mail? You've done very re- well.
1: You, Thanks, when mate. I remember to let you read it, that is. <laughs> all right. So the challenge mail.
3: Think hard about your time here. For soon it will be gone. If your memory fails you now, you won't last long. One step at a time, you'll walk over the sea. When you stand alone, you'll win immunity.
1: That's me clapping for you. Um, the audience went home. The renter crowd. We yeah we we lost the budget. So uh, good job. No, you've done very well. I, I don't. I think honestly, at the start of the season, we didn't plan this and just kind of went into it because you were missed the transcription. So. Um, no, that that can be your job moving forward. Now, good good fucking luck in Channel Ten versions when we're covering three <laughs> episodes of bloody episode.
3: Well, do they even do them now? That's the I don't thing. Think they do. So, do they no. do they
1: even have do they have tree mail in your two days?
3: Fuck, uh, not in my two days. And 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 obviously, at my first challenge was at the very start of the game, so right at the start. And then the immunity, we didn't get any any tree mail about it. So uh, yeah, who knows?
1: God, you're losing us, Channel Ten. All right, so. Gotta say, I love this immunity challenge. Visually looks fantastic. They've they've blown the budget on this boat. That's why they were getting people to weigh themselves a few weeks ago because they literally rented the biggest, most fanciest boat they could find in Whaler's way. Um so basically they have a QA game where they are getting challenged on questions from the season. And it starts off where in Memory Cove. Lincoln looking fucking fantastic again on the beach, old Matt. Can I just say, that that blue is bringing out his eyes again.
3: So I actually I Googled Memory Cove. I thought, oh, this is bullshit. Like, it's a memory game. And they're at Memory Cove. I'm thought, but it, it is actually true. It's called Memory Cove. Lincoln wasn't lying to us.
1: Well, it looks like I think when during the reunion, we'll be going to Memory Cove, perhaps. We'll, yeah. uh, we'll do it there. But they're, they're not just going to read it on the beach. They're going to go out to a boat and they've got planks. They're kind of uh, hanging over the water. Pearl Islands had a similar challenge to this, if I'm not mistaken. And they have multiple choice questions. They've got five that they can get wrong before they then have to jump into the water basically. They're eliminated and then the last person standing wins immunity. Of course, Katie has an advantage. She gets a one correct answer at some point throughout this one. Now, um, I don't, I've written down all the questions and the answers. I don't know. We've obviously got a lot to get through in this episode. I don't know if we really want to go through them all. Do we Do we want to, Matt? Um, I haven't gone through them all, but
3: um, the, the first one, um, I want to clarify this. The first one they asked about how many poles were in the water for the first fire run challenge. So is that the, and that's the very first immunity challenge that, that went wrong. Wasn't it? I'm yeah. sure it is.
1: Yep. And so it was why that they
3: still, why would they use it? Like, don't they want to forget about that, the fact that it all went wrong, and now they're still using it in the last episode? I thought
1: that was a bit bizarre. Well, the the, the even more bizarre one here, and I'm actually, I, I was kind of coming to this prepared, but I I for some reason do not have this uh, readily available. Uh, Lincoln brings up the question of one of the Aboriginal tribes uh, that, in, that had lived in this area. It's called... The either the Nebo, the Pankala, the Tikamara, or the Jampala tribe. Now, was that not the same question that we had in the tiebreak challenge back in episode one?
3: <laughs> I think it was. I, I, when I heard it too, I was like, oh, we've heard that before. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I thought that was a little – there was a couple of little weird ones. I thought that why would they use a question from a challenge that failed? Like that – I don't know. There's been some weird things happened throughout the season, but that was uh, but that was another one. But uh, Shona ends up going first out of this anyway.
1: I, I have found that uh, question actually here. This harks back to our Lincoln Howells interview where we asked this one to him and the true or false one. Uh, there were two Aboriginal tribes that lived here, the Pangala and the Nepo. That is what the question was. That was false. It was the Pangala and the Nayo. They were the uh, the answers there. So they definitely love this uh, Nepo question thing don't they because they've they've used that again so uh I bet Lincoln's there going no we must use Nepo that's a very important one <laughs> uh so yeah we, we won't go all over the question but I get I always I'm a fan of these challenges I, I used to like this on the U.S. one when they kind of did this. I mean this is basically what won the Sepia the game she she kept notes uh you know specifically on the knowledge that this challenge would happen at the end so she got to know people in the in the U.S. one it was a lot more about the personal things of the players of course Africa famously had a uh, uh an incorrect answer that was given as a correct answer or the other way around and sort of, you know, that to do a bit of a payout under the table to uh Lex and Tom because that could have changed that game in particular. But long story short, Rob wins. Uh Shona's eliminated first, then Joel. And just the way this ends, like Katie, they both get the last question wrong, but because Katie's one step closer to the water than Rob, she loses. And just you can just see everything here just coming to a head. Mm-hmm. Katie is just devastated just to look on her face she knows this is it she's done she's out this is there's no way she's surviving this anymore so she just doesn't want to jump she jumps and then rob just breaks down rob just absolutely breaks down lincoln he's like oh dude you okay he's like i'm so relieved you know i've been you know working on this one all my other tribal all my other ones that i didn't win basically i had options if i didn't win this i basically had no options now I can understand from Rob's perspective because he's being yelled at, he's emotional. We're obviously sitting here saying that there's no way he was going home. And, again, let's be honest, if Katie had won, he wasn't going home. Rob was safe. But you can also understand that Rob is just so just broken at this point from being abused for two days straight, basically, and it's all really coming to a head. So, yeah, it's an, it's an incredible way to end this. And it, this, I love this challenge. It's just a, it's a great challenge.
3: But if, if it would have ended up being... So just say if Katie won, won immunity, who had more votes against him? Was it was it Rob or was it Joel? Because Rob, remember, Craig voted three times for Rob and then Sophie and Katie had voted twice against Rob. So that was, that's five votes off the top of my head there that, that Rob got. Now, with Joel, obviously Joel received votes on that one where Lance went home, but... I still think Rob had more votes against him. Is that what he was worried about?
1: Possibly, he's maybe thinking that Katie could sway Joel over to to force a tie, That's, or maybe show to say, "Yeah, you're right." But I think we know that that wouldn't have happened.
3: No, well, we do know that, but he wouldn't have been hundred percent knowing that. So, and and it's a pretty. I still think it's a gutsy call putting your faith in someone that just to say that they're going to give up their game at at final three. Although it's a genius move in the end because it does happen. The odds of that actually happening was a lot slimmer than it than it happening. So he would have been friggin' nervous. But you're right. This challenge overall, I thought it was a great. I I really enjoyed this challenge. I thought it was actually quite for for a second for, yeah, for a final four challenge. I thought it looked good with walking the plank, obviously having to, you know, jump in the water once you're out. And you're you're spot on when Katie lost, when they both answered that question wrong, but of course she was one step back, so that meant she was finished. That moment, as soon as she realized that they both got the question wrong and she was out, it was right then that she knew her game was over. Not at Tribal Council when her torch got snuffed. It was at that point she knew her game was finished.
1: Rob had five votes at that point, and I guess you count the votes on a re-vote against Joel because then that would make it that he would also have five. If you don't count votes on a re-vote, then he already had three
3: no, you you there's no way you would count votes on a re-vote. that wouldn't be fair. so, so I think vote. that's what I think that's what his I think that's what he was worried about, Ben the fact that out of the that he had the most votes against him, and that if Joel did vote with Katie, that he would be going.
1: how would yeah, that I mean it wasn't going to happen, but like the what if scenario Rob does go home at four. does Katie win?
3: I well, I think absolutely. Well, I think absolutely, yeah.
1: Joel doesn't have to give up immunity at the end because the deal is basically moot at that point. Whether or not Joel tries a little bit harder to win, who knows? Um, Shona might play it differently at the end, but I mean, that's I, I, I think if Shona wins immunity, she probably would take K because Shona, I don't think, is the type of person who's going to take the person she thinks she can beat. I think. She's going to be sort of, hey, I'm loyal to Katie now. So, uh, although Joel would probably take Shona, oh, gee, gosh, that is a tough one to even think about. Uh, <laughs> that might be a question for for Katie and Shona.
3: Yeah, and it's, it's going to be great to hear from Shona, um, especially about that. What you know, what would have happened if 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 Rob had had gone, whether it be a tied vote, and it was out, you know, it was out of her her hands of whether rob going or not but if she would have been left with joel and katie and she won that last immunity what would she have done i actually i don't know all
1: right let's unpack maybe the most heated of all of the little fights and that's something saying something because oh i feel like there's gonna everyone taking a deep breath and we have to cover here because this is all leading up to one of the most iconic moments in any version of survivor history i have to say um so we're after Tribal, they basically all go down to their little cliff area. Uh, I, I do like this visual of them climbing down a cliff on this chain. Uh, and is it Rob? or Somebody says, oh, that's a bloody great rock, that one. I don't know. Who's, I've written that down. It's a great quote. I've um, got in a confessional, you know, Katie never gives up. Got a lot of respect. Do not underestimate her. And Katie pulls Joel aside and kind of Katie basically is like, hey, like let's force a tie here, you know, come on now. Let, let's be smart here. And again, All the crap that Katie gets for just being completely emotional wreck and just playing with a heart, not thinking of the game, We've seen her have two breakdowns. We're about to see her have a third, but she's still thinking about the game. This is why just to me, this is the smartest and the only thing she can literally do here, of course. I mean, she's going to try and plead with Shona in a moment, but clearly that's not going to work for her. So I think her going to Joel here and doing this is clearly smart. I do, I do love the way that she kind of plays a bit of the emotional card with Joel where she's basically like, if you ask your mother or Claudia, they would say vote with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, but That's that's actually quite clever because, like, I think people really know that Joel's a bit of a, you know, an emotional guy. He's, he's very much connected to his integrity and his family. So that's a, that's a pretty smart card to play there.
3: It, it is. But one thing I've got. So Rob's won immunity. Uh, Katie's trying to get Joel to vote for Shona. But has shown how many, I know Shona got at least one vote from Lance. But she would only have one I can't remember her name coming up more than the once because I know Lance definitely voted for her so she's got one vote where we know Katie's Joel's got, got, got no three. votes yeah Katie's got no votes but how many does Shona have
1: one so Shona would yeah, go
3: exactly So, yeah. it, and you know Rob and Shona are always going to vote together so there's there even if Joel had swapped his vote with Katie he was still it would it, it
1: didn't matter if if Joel had a voted with Katie uh forcing a tie Shona would go home yeah
3: well if yeah if well, suppose yeah if they voted for katie because she's got none yeah you're right actually so so it would have come down to one vote against zero
1: yeah and that that's what i think katie's doing because katie is basically saying we will vote for shona because she's got to vote against her and she will go home
3: well okay and that's a good point then this is something we haven't it, haven't spoken about so 37 days in katie's not received one vote We we don't even discuss that
1: yeah, well, I mean, that th- you're right. We haven't even brought that up at all, and that's, that's all the credit to Katie. Katie's not been – her name has not been brought up. I mean, it was brought up in the last episode because, you know, Rob was sort of saying who is it, Katie or Sophie, but it's kind of you've got no real choice at that point. But – Yeah, like Katie's played this game essentially the whole way without even being considered a threat in terms of, when I say threat, not being targeted to be taken out. I mean, we we know why Lance wrote Shona's name down. Rob's obviously being a target for what he's doing. But this is, again, where Katie needs to have so much props for her about the great game that she played that she was on a level where basically she was never once targeted to be voted out. And this is, what, day 37?
3: And and that's pretty incredible because you think – Six months earlier, that Survivor Africa season three was filmed. Ethan won 39 days, won with not a single vote against him the whole game. Where then Katie, yeah, she played a, a different game to Ethan, but still went 37 days without getting a vote. So that's um, and, and like I said, if she had won that immunity, wow, I mean that's we, yeah, I'm surprised we had, we don't even talk about that. But that's something that's pretty impressive.
1: One thing I just want to quickly mention too, which we've not mentioned, which, I mean, it's not really a big deal, but I think it's kind of an interesting fact too, uh, that Rob was 100% in his voting record. He voted every single time correctly, and I believe off the top of my head he is the only Australian Survivor contestant to have ever done that at a certain, like, going that far. He might even be the, there might have been someone else who, well, I think technically Lucinda and Kim Johnson were 100%, didn't they? I mean, they got voted out and (laughs) they voted for themselves. But I think from memory, Rob, is the only Australian Survivor contestant to have a 100% correct voting and what by saying that i mean is that every tribal council he went to he whoever he voted for went home wow
3: yeah that, so, it's, it's impressive and it is important to remember to to talk about that sort of stuff because it it really gives you a good insight of how well they were playing at the time
1: and yeah people can bring up the argument of look like he was in a controlling alliance that was never challenged and you know yeah you can bring that argument up in, up in the fact but You know, I still think it's, yeah, as you said, it's very impressive to show that you're playing. I mean, I don't think that takes away from a person if you're in a controlling alliance, that you're not challenged. I mean, if anything, that adds to your greatness. If, you know, anything, I mean, different eras of the game, this is how you played the game in 2002. You're not going to do it in 2020. Admittedly, it would be more impressive if you played it in 2020 this way and (laughs) pulled it off because there's a lot more hurdles for you to overcome. But I don't think you should detract a person's game in 2002 because, quote, it was easier because you didn't have as many switches and everything. They didn't know any different. They can't, you know, play a different game just because in the future there's gonna be idols and tribe swaps. They they're playing with the rules presented in front of them.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Now, Ben, we get to the point where Katie sits down, looks Shona in the in in the eyes, and asks her a simple question. Are you going to vote for me tonight? Now, this at this point is where all hell breaks loose. <laughs>
1: One thing, yeah, you're right. Before I just go to that, one little quick, quick bit I forgot to mention when um, when Katie's talking to Joel, I, I do like the moment when she kisses Joel's hand and goes, "Thanks, darling." Like, <laughs> got like a little moment there. But yes, one little question leads us to a uh, yeah, maybe maybe the most intensible little fight. Just quickly, actually really backtrack squirrel 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 i'm just quickly glancing on my notes here one thing i forgot to mention in the immunity challenge dick lincoln moment just before i go on i need to remind you this is probably the most important immunity you could win thanks lincoln (laughs) (laughs) i just i love a good dick lincoln moment um so yes simple question are you voting for me tonight shona uh shona basically replies katie i am and katie will have a bit of a breakdown here you know there's still two of us uh Shona says that, Katie, I want to win. These two basically get into a bit of a back and forth. Rob talking to Joel saying, I'm glad I'm not in that conversation. I caught mine yesterday. <laughs> um, and I mean, Let's be honest, it's kind of starting off okay here. Shona's not really losing it. Shona's kind of saying like, you know, man, oh, man, you are the single biggest threat to anybody in this game. Um, you know, like you've got the, the immunity bit covered. Uh you know, all this kind of stuff. But she's really being diplomatic and kind of nice to Katie here. And then we get this little clangor from Shona where she says that there is another element to this game. Suffice to say, the last immunity challenge, the base is covered, to which <laughs> she just leaves it at that. And then Katie doesn't really know what to think. She goes, you think you can look at yourself in the mirror? And she storms off. Shona follows her. You know, Jesus, Katie, I tell her what you want to know. Uh... Shona saying to Katie that Joel came to us with a deal. Katie's like, what deal? And this the thing that's actually really interesting about this, and I would love to get a, a camera person or something on the show to kind of hear what happened with this, because when Katie walks off, we kind of then cut to this conversation continuing, but they're in a completely different spot, and it's almost like they've – Like, run away, and the camera people haven't been able to keep up with them because all of a sudden they're, you know, a good 200 meters away from a camera person who has to literally run across the rocks. Now, they've got their mic still connected to their body, so you can hear everything clearly, but the camera person, it's a bit jarring, and I, I've definitely heard people criticise this because it's kind of like, well, it looks a bit childish and a little bit amateur that you've got a camera person basically running across rocks. But I kind of think it just adds to the realism of it. It's kind of like an Australian Outback when Mike falls in the fire and you've got cameras rushing and it's kind of they're having to catch up with what's going on here. So I actually kind of like it. But this conversation is still occurring. Katie... Is you know what deal? What deal? I can't tell you what the can't tell you what the deal is. Uh, I love Katie's reaction. You made a fucking deal with Rob. Always <laughs> oh, us three. Uh, you know that we would come to the three. Uh, Katie then kind of drops the line of I never committed to you. Shona kind of owns it there and is like exactly you know. And I've committed to Rob. And I don't. I tried to. I rewound this bit so many times. It sounds like Shona says I'm not fucking changing it. But I I don't think that's specifically what she said. Katie keeps pushing about what deal, what deal. Uh, Shona's basically saying, I've been here for 38 or 39 days. I'm not going to change my my now with Rob. You wanted information. Um, I'm not giving it to you, and I've got a very – Good reason. Katie walks off again and basically goes to uh, go off at Rob again. It's 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 fascinating because Shona's kind of stayed out of this, hasn't she? Until now, she's kind of not cop the abuse. And even when she cops some abuse, and still Katie's not, I guess, letting her anger out fully at Shona here. She's got every right to question, like, well, what deal? What are you talking about? I think Shona's been very diplomatic here and and trying her best while also quite angry at Katie at the same time.
3: Yeah, when Katie says, she says to Shona, it was always going to be us to number, to to the final three. And then Shona says to her, in your plan, I would have been your number three. And then you're right. She says, oh, I never committed to you. And Shona says, exactly. And I committed to Rob and I'm not going to fuck him now. Like she's not, that's what she says. Oh, is that what I'm not going to fuck him now? She says, I'm not going to, like basically, I'm not going to screw him over now. That's what she's saying. I'm not going to fuck him now. So yeah, it's, um, because by this stage, Shona's getting quite worked up. She's like, because obviously Katie's scrambling, and Shona's making it clear, like, that's fine, but I'm not going to turn on Rob now. That we've 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 made a decision, and that's it. Um, but I, I love just backtracking a little bit too. When when this all all starts, when when she sits Shona down and says, "Oh, you know, are you voting for me tonight?" and she says yes, at, at that point before she walks off, there's that there's that little, there's that slight pause. Like you can see Katie, she's going through it in her head and she, she she doesn't know how, she doesn't know whether to just cop it or to start the abuse. And then she, she, she takes a moment. It's just silence. She stands up and then she says, and you can think like, sorry. And she says, and you think you can look at yourself in the mirror as she gets up and storms off. It's like, it's, it's fair. It's, it's great. Like it's just you can see that she's getting so worked up and she and then she always resorts back to, I guess, it's verbal abuse.
1: Well, just one quick little thing I'd like your opinion on. What, what's your take on that weird little camera moment where clearly the camera people are, are not catching up? Do, do you think it looks amateur or do you think it kind of adds to the realism to it?
3: Well, I, I don't have a problem with it at all. I, I've made some notes about it. But like I know in the two days I was there, the only time we actually had mics on was in the challenges. The rest of the time it was the boom mics with cameramen. So... Obviously, in this season, they must have had their little portable mics on them at all time or for the majority of the time. So the fact that we actually got to hear audio anyway was was a bonus where if that happened now in today was, was the two days I was on there, any discussions you had with people that weren't in front of the cameraman, well, you didn't have any audio because there wouldn't be the guy with the boom mic there.
1: And it it would be fascinating to talk to more of the production crew and, you know, we teased at the end of um, the episode a couple of weeks ago that we will have Steven Peters on at the end and we recorded that episode many months ago and sadly we didn't really kind of go into more details about this moment. There is another moment that happened in this episode, the sort of final three mutiny sort of situation which... We don't really have a lot to talk about in this episode because that will be more of a Katie a question as well as our uh, final episode when we talk about surviving Survivor a little bit. But it would be interesting to see just how much they were scrambling around because it, it almost seems like they were caught unaware that there was another fight about to happen because – it is very odd that, as you said, when Katie gets up and walks away that we kind of do cut to this completely different location. So clearly there's a whole section here I think missing where a camera person thought it was over and then someone rushed over to the other to continue this conversation and they were caught unaware. But as you said, the microphones were obviously left recording so they were probably very like, shit, glad that we kept the microphones recording there.
3: Yeah, and um, look, this wouldn't have happened back to back. Like there would have been a gap in between. Like you said, it's a different location where the second argument takes place so it could have been an hour later we don't know you know it, it wouldn't have been Katie I doubt highly doubt it would have been straight after Katie stormed off after she told Shona to look in the mirror um because you know we see some other shots of them Shona later saying oh you know I, I really you know I really respect um a, you know and admire Katie and Rob's like well I do too and yeah you know, so it, it, it's it's a bit edited there obviously it wouldn't have happened straight after each other it probably was in a couple of hour period I would imagine
1: all right, now this I'm going to try and get from point A to point B. Now, point A is the beginning of this. Point B is somebody threatening to kill somebody, and then we're going to tribal council. So uh, let's let's take in the breath here and get through this because, as I keep saying, this is probably the heated, most heated out of all three of the arguments. Katie storms off, as we said, from Shona. She goes straight to Rob and basically... Uh, Is like, so you don't think I deserve the money either. You lied to me all the way, and now at the very end, you are still not loyal to me. You lie to me every day until the last day. Rob, who we haven't mentioned in kind of between this, has been told by Joel that Katie was asking Joel to vote for Shona, change the vote. Rob straight away brings up, well, why did you tell Joel to change the vote? Shona loses it.
3: She's pissed.
1: She goes off. You're trying to change my vote. You're you're going off at me. Katie, you are so two faced about all of this. I love Katie here. She's basically like, listen to me. Listen to me. And this is, I'm telling you now, Stephen Peters, if he's not on set right now and he's like, he's hearing this. Every single production person right now is rubbing their hands together. They're going, yes, yes, it's taken 37 days, but, yes, this is gold. Every single production person in Wayless Way is loving every single moment of it. Listen to me. Listen to me. Katie's doing that. Rob, you're telling me off for being Two-Face. You're also being 2 faced Rob brings up the fact that he's got a new pact. Katie brings up uh, this new one with Joel, basically, because he still doesn't know the whole truth about it. Meanwhile, Joel doesn't give a shit. Joel's just in the background going, Shona, we just put him on. No need to be ready to turn shit. But But <laughs> what, I,
3: what I love here is um when, when Katie's trying to explain herself and, and Shona actually cuts her off. So Katie's like, I'll tell you what happened over there. I said to Joel, and then before she could say anything more,
1: Shona's like, yeah, vote for Shona. <laughs> I I, sorry, I just love that Joel moment. That's the one little Joel moment when he's – Joel's just chilling. He doesn't give a shit. <laughs> Ooh, we don't need to turn him right now. Um. Yeah, you're right. Like Shona kind of does that. Um, uh, Shona basically says, Katie, you are something else uh, the way it goes on there. And is it, um, is it Shona or Rob or Katie? I don't know. I've written this quote down. You might need to tell me which one who says this one. Somebody says, I don't want to make a new pact now. My word is with Joel because that's how I've made it this far. Was that a Shona or a Rob quote? Yeah, I'm not a, well, I'm not 100% because – I've sort of got
3: here, Katie says, I I didn't say vote for Shona. Rob says, you don't know what's been going on. And Katie says, I know because you're a prick, you, uh, you're a prick, an absolute prick.
1: So, I've got that one. So yeah, this bit- is before that. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I've got that down a little bit low here. Yeah, it was, it's, it's an interesting line though that they kind of say like, that's how I've made it that far. Katie actually comes clean here and is like, I didn't say vote for Shona. She starts crying. Uh, she says that I said if we want to vote, save ourselves, we need to vote in line with each other. And that's when that line when you just said Rob says, you don't know what has been going on. And yeah, Katie, I know because you're a prick. And then to which Rob is like, why am I a prick? Katie replies, you're an absolute prick. Rob is like, why? To which Katie says, because you're a habitual liar. Shona replies, Katie, you've lied too. Katie says, I've hardly lied. Uh, then uh, uh, utters the phrase, continuous lying is a lot different to one or two lies. I'm sorry, point to Katie there. Uh, And to which she then says, I lied once to Lance and once to Joel, uh, saying that there was no alliance. And then Katie basically loses it completely. You guys are not worth it. I don't want to eat with you. I don't want to see you. She storms off. She adds, congratulations, guys. You've played really well. Thanks for nothing. To which she then storms off. We get this epic piano music in the background, an incredible tracking shot here, which it kind of follows her on the rocks. We then get to her in the sand. Now, going back to where I said, I've heard people criticize the amateur nature of this episode with the way they're following her. This is where I think this just adds so much to the real. This is fucking fantastic camera work and it is amazing editing in this episode. You mentioned it before. I want to point this out right now. The editing in this episode is second to none. Channel 10, take a page from this episode as to what you can do with an episode, with emotional conversations and things like that. You don't need over-the-top music to make something dramatic. Sometimes it is a conversation and you just let it run naturally. I, I love Katie here getting followed by the camera. And Katie's not one that's ever really played up to the camera. She's not doing a Rob. She's not doing that. She turns into a playing up to the camera. She looks over her shoulder to the camera. It's like, they're just scared of me. Scared I can beat them. I just want to go to bed and pretend it was all a bad dream. Just sleep and wake up. I will be fine. We cut back to Rob and Shona, who are kind of having a little bit of a fight because is it Katie or or is it sorry? Is it Shona or Rob who says I really care about Katie? I think it's Rob who says that, and then Shona's like, "So do no, I." It's the other no, way around.
3: Shona, is yeah, Shona says I really care about Katie, and then Rob sort of. But the way he says it is like, "So do I." Like you know, like because he's getting worked up as well. But yeah,
1: you know, they they obviously do care for her. Um, mentions about being distressing. We then have Katie just full-on breakdown. She, she, she's gone. She is completely gone at this point. She says, I can't believe they've all turned against me. I know this game is about falseness and deception and all of those things, but I wouldn't think they would want to deceive me. I know that's being naive, and it is being naive. So she, this is the thing that I I feel Katie never got any. Respectful, Because, again, it's all well and good to talk down on Katie for just losing it and being emotional and kind of that sort of stuff. But Katie has awareness. Katie can sit here and go, like, I know I'm so naive for believing this sort of stuff, but, like, I I can't believe. Like, she, there's all those layers to Katie's personality where it's kind of you've got to pick apart and not just jump onto one conclusion with Katie. I think it's so unfair to fully criticize Katie completely for what she's doing here.
3: Joel does make a good comment. There's a little conversation True, yeah. between her, her her and Shona where Shona says, yeah, she plays to win and that's the part I admire and resonate with. And Joel actually it's a really good comment he makes. He says, yeah, but if she doesn't win, she, uh, she's she got to know how to lose gracefully. And Shona actually says, yeah, I guess you have a valid point.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. That is, I mean, Joel has just been Mr. Quiet, concerned about, you know, the fish getting not turned and all that sort of stuff. Bless Joel. But, yeah, he, he may be kind of, has the best summary there. I think it's it's sort of, you know he does kind of make a very good point there at the same time. but okay, let's let's set the scene right now because this is it, folks. We've been building up. We talked about the tiddly winks, being an amazing confessional. There are a couple of other confessionals there that were just absolutely fantastic. but, the granddaddy of confessionals in, in Australian Survivor, in any survivor. I don't know if you can ever have a confessional that tops what we are literally about to see. We opened our episode with this. I will play this again at the end. I have written this down word for word. We, If we haven't shared it already, we will share it on our social media. I actually shared it on my personal Instagram maybe six or seven months ago because I just absolutely love it. This is the one moment from Australian Survivor when I hadn't watched it in like 10 years that I remembered it was this confessional. Katie sitting down. We've got the slow kind of piano music going in the background. She's completely broken, she's completely gone. Katie says the following. I always look for how else I can win, but it doesn't look like I can see anything anymore. Nothing is coming to me. Maybe I could kill one of them. Can we just, <laughs> can, we just can we just can we just sit on that? We've just had a 24-year-old woman on national television, have a complete breakdown. She has lost everything emotionally in this game. She is at her wits' end, and she has just said out loud, maybe I could kill someone.
3: And, and it's important to remember the way she says it, she's not, she's not saying it with a smile on her face or, like, joking. You can see she's actually quite distressed when she's saying it, and when she says that last line, maybe I could kill someone. She, she actually, or kill one of them. She actually sort of is looking to the side. She's almost lost. Like if you look at her facial expression, it, it, there's almost no expression at all. She's just, she's lost, and she's just, You can see her, her mind just ticking over, and she kind of looks to the side, and and says that last line, maybe I could kill one of them. It's, it, it's. You're right. It's it's
1: a massive confessional. And you're right, too, when you say, like, it's not like she's saying this is a bit of a joke or something like that. Like, the way she looks off, like, I I legitimately, and I will ask this to Katie next week, I want to know, did a producer have to pull her aside and, like, be like, whoa, dude, like, just stop. We need to have a word here. Because, like, the way she says it, you believe her. (laughs) Like, you, you actually believe her that she thinks that is a valid option.
3: Well, Ben, if this is the greatest confessional of all time, should we play it right now so the, oh. so the listeners play it right now, Ben?
1: All right, all right, all right. let right. Let, let's hear it again. I always look for how else I can win,
0: but it doesn't seem like I can see anything anymore. Nothing's
1: coming to me. Maybe I could kill one of them. Oh. I will play that to the cow kind of screw that weird noise we played a few weeks ago, a thousand times. Like, it's just, it sounds like I just keep harking on like this is the best ever. This is, you know, it's all well and good to lay claims and kind of all this sort of stuff, but tell me another confessional that is more iconic in any survivor that you can think of. I mean, Yeah, There are a few that come to mind in the US one that we're going to have, of course. Even the Australian one, there are definitely ones that, you know, come to mind and and that. But, like, you literally have a contestant who is thinking of a valid way of making it to the end as killing someone who is not joking. In that moment, she genuinely thought that is true. Okay, on one level, slightly disturbing, she should get some help We shouldn't be glorifying this, but at the same time, reality television, folks, we want this to be real. This is as genuine, as genuine as you can get. We have a person thinking to get to the final three, they could kill someone. Like, it sells itself, people. This is why Australian Survivor Season 1 needs to be remembered and acknowledged as a season because we have this.
3: It's funny how times change too. I don't know if they would even show that on TV anymore, to be honest. Like if this was a current day season and someone was that emotional and said that I'm not hundred
1: percent sure as much as they would want to show it. I don't know if they would. Think about Brandon Hance in, yeah. in Karamoan. I mean, the guy basically got pulled from the game because he was so emotionally unstable. Now, Ultimately, Katie doesn't kill someone. Spoiler alert. I'm sure Stephen Peters is probably going, well, wait a minute. That could cause some good ratings. Um, but, like, it's just no matter what you think of Katie, just the emotion that you would have to feel to say something like that. And this is, again, Channel 10. How are you not shown this clip to say Let's bring back that contestant from that season that no one remembers who wanted to kill someone. There have been people on US Survivor who have been brought back for less to come back. There were people on Australian Survivor All-Stars who were brought back for less. Alright? I'm sorry to be like the I know I'm not even gonna bring it up. I don't want to go on a tangent and ripping into players because we want them on the show in the future. I'll save my anger for those players when they come on the show one day. But some of those all-stars, they got brought back on some of the reasons for what you have a player who wanted to kill someone. That is that is enough. She should have a whole season. This should have been Survivor, Australian Survivor, Season 2, Katie's Island. They made a season of US Survivor based on two people having a fight at the reunion and Jeff Probst getting an erection because Rob and Russell were going, oh, that could be a good season. So they made a season of it.
3: That's that's true. That's true. You'd almost, you know, if they were going to make more Australian Survivor seasons after, you know, after this first one, you could almost imagine like a couple of years later there would have been like one tribe with Katie, one tribe with Rob Dixon, wouldn't there? That would have been the
1: season. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, like, and like, it is just so frustrating. Again, I know why Channel 10 would not get season one players on the show. I understand it. It's their own version. Again, they don't even call this a season. Season one to them is what we refer to as season three. And most fans acknowledge that. Fine. I'm not that naive. I'm very much Katie here, aren't I? I'm not that naive that I don't see that and understand it. But when we can sit here for, for multiple weeks, multiple episodes, and go over this and try and celebrate this season, try acknowledge its history, that we can come to this point in time to have a player who has done everything in this episode that just makes her such a star, that has this point in time where she says these words in a confessional. How? How you cannot have her in a conversation to come back Is beyond me. If I ever speak to somebody from Channel 10, and I'm really hoping that will happen either on this show or through writing this book, if they say to me in an answer to a question of was anyone from Channel 9's version ever considered, if they utter the phrase, we thought about it, we were thinking about getting Katie on, or they acknowledge something with that, I will definitely have a big sigh of relief and go, okay, well, at least she was considered. If they turn around and say, no, we didn't even think about it, I will, I don't know what I will do. I will will find Rove McManus and punch him. What what if they turn around and say, Katie, who? I will find Rove McManus and I will punch him. (laughs) I like (laughs) Rove. I I actually love Rove. He is one of my favourite, favourite Australian television personalities. But I will punch Rove. That's how angry I am, Matt. I'm
3: sorry, Rove, but I will punch you. Well, just just talking about Rove. Lucky you probably weren't living in Australia last year when he brought out his new show and last. <laughs> I heard about two, that. That even made it lasted two episodes and they quickly axed it and it will never be spoken about again.
1: Bring back Rove, everyone, but no, not so I can punch him. You. you don't like Rove. No, I was never a rove guy. What's wrong uh, with you, Matt Dyson? No. One of you lasted two days. You don't like (laughs) rove. That's why they voted you out. They got you in a tribal council. They're yelling at y'all. We're going to say, we'll vote
3: Steve out. Wait, you don't like rove? Vote his ass out. I lasted just as many days as
1: his new show lasted, so. (laughs) Touche. Now, okay. All that aside, give me your thoughts. I, I, I this is where it's one of those things where it's kind of, it's it's just so much to kind of think about. And I think you're going to be on one side or the other. Again, you mentioned you could be on the fence. Both make very valid points, but I I have to say, both sides, I should say, so Katie and Rob, Katie uh, and Shona and Rob, separate sides. I got to say though that I, and I'm not just saying this because I'm Katie Gold's biggest fan, but there are definitely elements of Katie I think that I agree with more because Katie lying in this game is so much different to Rob lying in this game. And I'm not I'm not saying you shouldn't lie. That's not what I'm trying to say. You lie in Survivor. It. It's part of the game. But Katie is kind of correct when she says, I've hardly lied. I lied to Lance and I lied to Joel. She was flat out open and honest at the merge when it came to Kara, Naomi, and uh, Craig, basically. she She laid it out in the line. And in also with the Lance, i will be interested to see what this lie is to Lance. Is this that there's not an alliance, or is it a is it one of those kind of blurred lines where is it really a lie if you don't reveal the truth if you're not pressed about it? I don't know. But like she makes that very good point where it's like it's one or two lies is different to continuous lying. Now, devil's advocate, it's not like Rob was going around you know lying every Russell Hansing it out there and lying every five seconds. You could make the argument that well Rob kind of didn't lie all the time, but he kind of kept up this charade with Katie that that was going to be the final two. He also did it with Sophie. You know, he had many layers and different final twos again, part of the game. I understand that, but I think I'm kind of more on Katie's side there. And even when she sort of called out there for going to Joel to kind of flip it, you can understand why Shona is obviously a bit upset there because clearly, you know, in a way that can be seen as, well, you're lying to me because you didn't tell me you went to Joel, but Katie then does kind of come out and go, well, no, I didn't actually ask Joel to vote for Shona. I said we need to side together and who's that person going to be? It's going to be you because we can't, I'm not going to vote for me. I'm not going to vote for Joel. You're the only option. So I don't know. I, maybe I'm just being too biased with the Katie gold glasses on, but that's honestly how I perceive it. I I honestly, like I see it. But again, having said that, I also do can, I do can see where Rob and Shona are coming from in their argument too.
3: But is it a, is it a case of, Katie had a plan but put all her eggs into one basket and oh, it didn't course. happen. Where, Yeah, where Rob, he mentions it later on. He had plan A, plan B, plan C. He had multiple plans.
1: Shona was his plan from day one, which is plan A. No, but no, you're right. Kate, yeah. And we'll just quickly interrupt you there. Like, no, 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 you're 100% right, and I agree with that. But I think that Katie can perceive a person having plan A, plan B, plan C as you know, you're telling multiple truths to three sides, continuous lying to three sides to keep those happy. So while you're absolutely right and Rob is just playing the game of Survivor and I'm not discrediting Rob for doing that, I'm not sitting here saying Rob's a liar and a filthy asshole and a prick and all that kind of stuff. Katie's obviously perceiving this in her way. And in the emotional state she is in, she's perceiving that way. It'd be very fascinating to hear from Katie next week if she can say that, you know, 18 years later, Rob played a fantastic game. I was emotional at the time, but looking back on it now, Rob did what he did to win and it was, you know, all props to him. I'm sure she will say that now. But at that time in that level of emotional state, I can see Katie's perspective of why she would say that because again, Katie may be told two lies in this game. And even then, it's not like she, like Shona told a flat-out lie in the last episode and she admitted to it, you know, whereas I don't recall any situation where Katie openly lied. We'll have to find out
3: what, what the lie was to Lance. I'm guessing they told Lance that they were all going to vote for Shona. I'm guessing that was the lie, but um, we'll, we'll definitely find that out when we speak to Katie.
1: Do you have anything to add on all of that argument or anything that we've kind of just just talked about there?
3: No, I think you've. I think you've summed it up pretty well. I mean, you're obviously you're very passionate about Katie and her gameplay, Ben. And um, I'm just I'm looking forward to getting to this tribal. This is one of the best tribals of the season. Oh, it's it's
1: the best. Let's not beat around the bush. I mean, we've we've constantly talked that the weakness of this season has been the tribal councils. This is the best tribal council of the season. I I would say this is better than the final tribal council. Um, Yeah. Lincoln makes the very good point that this is the first time that they're outnumbered by the the jury which is uh quite quite interesting. Sophie comes in with a like a sweater on her shoulders. Lance looks like Rupert the Bear in his yellow checked <laughs> shirt. <laughs> Hello Lance if you're listening, I wonder if you still own that. And and uh Jane and Sophie wearing the same shirt. They're both like in a pink shirt. I don't know if you noticed that at all. It's probably there's more Reebok stuff, Ben. Maybe probably is. Um Lincoln brings up the fact about Rob, the emotional uh, immunity win. Rob, uh, oh, this is, again, like I feel like I'm talking Katie up so much this episode, but, like, I've got to give props to Rob here. Rob constantly playing this game that he's basically just saying, look, I'm comfortable with how I've played. I can separate the game from relating to people. Clearly a dig at Katie, but also clearly a way of defending his game. He's playing that to the jury. He is playing up, kind of oh, putting that out there. Because, yeah. I mean, look, we we see what we see here. There might have been more said in front of the jury Katie, you know, might have said a lot more than what we actually saw. So, to me, this is just Rob, like, defending himself, playing to the jury. It's fantastic. Uh, great gameplay by Rob. Um, Lincoln talks to Katie, basically saying, like, would you do anything in this game differently? And Katie breaks down, basically saying that, you know, she plays with a heart and that risk is that you leave your heart open and you get hurt. Um, she basically says that she was told that she was someone special and then they disowned me i can't pretend this is just a game half a million dollars doesn't matter anymore it's it's again it's heartbreaking i do love the cut to Craig. Craig's got this look on his face, this entire <laughs> tribal. It's like a half smirk, like a half, like, oh God, you guys, like I would have kicked your ass kind of look. Like, <laughs> oh, I love Craig's look. The, the one negative thing, and I don't, I don't like talking down on Lincoln because I don't, I feel this isn't Lincoln's fault. Lincoln talked in our interview about how kind of he was given pre planned questions and he wasn't really told to go off script. He was kind of told, like, stick to the script, stick to these questions. And just go with it. Because I feel someone of Lincoln's, you know, experience as a journalist, he's not going to leave what Katie said just sitting there because he moves on. Like he just he just goes straight to Joel and he's basically like, how do you feel? There's, a, there's half a million dollars around the corner. So I'm putting that down to Lincoln basically following the rules Stephen Peter set out for him.
3: i do. I got to admit, though, I know you're, you're right. He, yeah, if this was modern day, he would have been pressing Katie a lot more. But I do have to like how he does... Quickly go to Joel, and he's giving Joel a little dig because obviously they know about this deal that Joel's made that he's going to give him spot up, and he, he's basically saying, yeah, you know, de- depending on your tactics, uh, you know, you have a chance to win five hundred k, Joel. But depending on your tactics, yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, he's giving him a nudge, like, mate, this is for half a million. Like, you want to actually have a crack at this? But uh, you're right about the Katie thing. Like, yeah, I don't think that's I don't think that's Lincoln's fault at all. I think no. he he had a, he had to stick to the script, and that's what he did.
1: Absolutely. Um and yeah, going back to Craig's smirk. I love Joel's answer. He was like, well, I found out the other day that there are alliances. and I'm like, good on you guys. I'm not disappointed at all. And then Craig's <laughs> look Craig's like, you fucking little shit. <laughs> like he's so angry. Shona, um talks about what does Lincoln say like if you you mentioned this is like a chess game what piece would you be on the board and I do love Shona's answer of I'm not a piece on the board I'm the one playing the game like great 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 answer great
3: response yeah great answer
1: let's just say this right now Matt that what is again so great about this episode Everyone's on fire. Even Joel, who's kind of Mr. Invisible, Joel has his moments. Joel's had a clanger before about, you know, you've got to learn how to win, you've got to learn how to lose. Just everything about this, like, Shona's on fire. Rob is solemn and kind of defeated, but he's still on fire. Katie, I mean, God, is she on fire? I don't know. I haven't talked about her all this episode. Um, just like everyone is on fire. Lincoln's on fire. Lincoln's a dick this episode to a lot of the time, but he's on fire, even though we kind of missed this clanger here from Katie. But again, not his fault. Um, Katie goes home. She's out. Craig has another smirk on his face. She leaves with no hard feelings, guys. Good luck. Now Is that the
3: first time is that the first time we've heard anyone speak back to their possibly. tribe when they're
1: walking? I, yeah, I don't recall it happening before. I yeah, I don't remember either. I, it might be, but um I, I'm gonna be intrigued to hear on Katie if she meant that. <laughs> but you know, <laughs> she off she goes. We don't get any final words uh either which is kind of a bit interesting we 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 well, i mean we kind of do we cut to eddie we're going to have katie out on the stage um i might just kind of wrap all this up because uh, look, we've got a, still a bit to cover we're going to try and rush through this a little bit at the end because i think we've covered all the really meaty stuff and i do want to eulogize um our players as we lose them very so quickly as well but this is where we kind of intersect back to eddie we've got the live reunion Uh, where we get Katie on stage. Katie gets a bit booed if you kind of listen to the crowd there. I kind of feel a little bit sorry for her there. Eddie sort of talking about how there's, you know, crying going on backstage, back rubs. Uh, And meanwhile, out here it's like a rock concert um katie's talking about how she's had to keep changing her makeup on and she sort of jokes it's always a special day when you have a nervous breakdown on national tv she talks about how it's traumatic again she's feeling wound up again and uh, eddie brings up that the crowd cheered when she had to walk the <laughs> plank i still love katie playing up to the camera here as well like oh yeah i think joel has his eyes on the money here he might uh you know go go back on his plan and Eddie starts uh, moment number three hundred and twelve of "I Hate Joel," uh, where Eddie Maguire is basically like, oh, so Joel's not as dumb as he looks. <laughs> he, he he really gives it
3: to Joel, doesn't he? He hates a- Joel. actually get, he gets a bit <laughs> awkward, to be honest. Um, yeah, Eddie, he's uh, he just basically keeps referring to as dumb, and and Katie has to sort of defend him.
1: Yeah, Katie does. So Joel's not dumb, says he's inconspicuous on how smart he is. But you do actually notice that Katie kind of struggles in saying that because then even Eddie picks up on that and says, first time all season, you've been diplomatic. Um, I do also like kind of when we go into the ad break here, they kind of do a little flash, a teaser of the final immunity challenge. Now, look, we've spent a good part of the two hours on this episode already talking up Katie. We've spent all season talking up Katie. What can we else can we add? Matt Dyson. I, look, I, I think I've said all I have said about Katie. I love this woman. She is just an absolute icon of this game. You mentioned before about a Hall of Fame. We are planning on doing an Australian Survivor Hall of Fame at some point. Katie is an instant inclusion straight away to me. If I had to vote for three people to go into this Hall of Fame, it's an easy three votes for me. It's Rob, Katie, and Shona. Um, to me, the greatest female player in Australian Survivor history, one of the greatest characters, a travesty that she's not come back and played. This woman is incredible.
3: I agree with everything you said, Ben. Like there's, there's really not a lot more I can say about Katie because, you, you know, I think we've made it pretty clear. Everyone knows. I think, look, everyone knows she's a massive character and one of the biggest of all time. Um, you know, I, I dare say even if, if you would have had a world survivor in the first, you know, 20 seasons, she would have been on, on, she would have been representing Australia. Like that's how much of a player and a big character she was. Um, Yeah, you're right, Ben. There's not a lot more I can say really that, uh, you know, it's just, I feel for Katie that, that her season was basically a one-off, you know, it was a one-off for Channel 9 and that um, she's never had that respect given back to her that, um, you know, to be able to play the game again, that's where, yeah you know, she was lucky that she got on the show she was lucky she lasted 37 days you know and and I don't I'm not saying that's luck that she got that far she played hard and she deserved to to that but she was unlucky that channel 9 had a one off season and you know it looks like now that she'll never get to play the game again
1: yeah um, very sad that fact, but uh, who knows? Stranger things have happened. Uh, Luke and the son, uh Pros for her, she was the fittest in the field. Cons, maybe too good at the physical challenges. Uh, we didn't really mention three challenges in a row. She won. She lost about two immunities by the you know skin of a teeth. So she she very much did become a real challenge beast. Uh, Luke gave her four and a half stars. She was only behind Rob, who got five stars, and also the same level as Deb. I think we remember talking her up that Deb got a four and a half star rating by Luke. Now a couple of things here, just from. The book. Uh, her luxury item was a French language manual. Uh, very, very interesting. Uh, professional athlete. Um, of course. Now uh, we'll talk to her, of course, when we get her on the show. Um, dabbled in netball, turned to triathlon. I do love here her favorite game, Piggy in the middle. Uh, <laughs> why not? Uh, that's good uh her favorite non-alcoholic beverage thick chocolate smoothie yum and her favorite chocolate or lollies natural confectory company lollies so there you go uh and just some other things from the book here uh what would be the craziest wild thing you would do for a lot of money how much you say jump i say how high <laughs>
3: <laughs> talking about we, we mentioned about how early on in the game it's all about who you, who you click with and that's how you end up forming alliances and going further. That's just made me ill knowing that her luxury item was a French manual. or was a French language book because if she was on Kadena or, or if, if, if David Haas was on, was on Tapara, I reckon, imagine that that would have been a talking point straight away. Oh, geez, you've got a French language book. Oh, I'm, I was born in France. Who knows? He wanted to play a really dirty game. She obviously wanted to play a really dirty strategic game. I'm telling you, Ben, all it takes is for something like that to make you click on day one, and that can lead you forward into the whole game. Now that you've just told me that, oh, my God, that makes me even more sick knowing that if just if David Haas was on a tribe with Katie,
1: what could have been? More than two hours in till we get a David Haas mention. You're losing your, you're losing your uh, trending there. Um, I do love your list. Three adjectives to best describe you: warm, spirited, extroverted, and mad as a snake. And how do you think you will cope with being away? My multiple personality will get me through. Uh, so. Brilliant. Oh, Katie, we love it. We love it a bit. And, uh, look, she will be uh, on this show next episode. We will talk a little bit more at the end of this episode in regards to how we're playing out our final interviews from uh, this episode. But uh, basically, chronologically, she will be the next episode. So uh, stay tuned for that. All right. Now, um, I I don't want to feel like we're rushing through the end of this, but also at the same time, I think we can actually really cap a lot of this together. So what I'm going to try and do here, I'm going to basically go from the pre-immunity right through to the final tribal council. So uh you have got something to add there? Do you not want me to do that? What do you what do you want me to do here, Matt? I think we no, can no. kind of glide through with that aspect. I, I totally agree, but I do want to read the first confessional of Shona on day
3: 38. That so on day 38 she has a, a really good confessional that I that I like and I'm I'm actually going to read it because I think it's important. She says when I was younger, I would have gone hard and fast like Katie. At 49 I take it one day at a time, looking to be there at the end of the game and have some in reserve. My mother says to me sometimes, very lovingly, Shona, I wish you would remember you were 49 and not 15. And then she says, I think I'm like a female version of Peter Pan in some ways. I just – I really wanted to get that out because I I think this woman is amazing and you talk up Katie Gold and and so you should. And I'm here to talk up Shona because this woman – just when I think she can't get, any, can't get any better, she pulls out another confessional like that.
1: I I agree with you. And, like, we talked about the other week when she had that moment talking about how she doesn't really relate to these younger girls. This is one of those, another one of those real kind of pulls-at-your-heartstrings confessionals where you really connect and feel for this woman because when she says, I'm the female version of Peter Pan in some ways, like, there's just something about that that you're just like, God, this woman is so fascinating. I love her to bits. Like, yeah, you're right. Like, I, I I will champion Katie Gold to the day I die. But, like, as I said earlier in this episode, like, I'm just I, – I acknowledge Shona so much more this season having rewatched it and just, wow. So, yeah.
3: I, I think we're going to have an argument of of w- which female goes into the Hall of Fame first, Shona or Katie. I, I think me and you are going to have a little bit of a debate on that.
1: I think I would win that one. But <laughs> I also think <laughs> that – God, I'm a prick and an asshole and a piece of dog shit. Um, this is why I relate to Katie. Apparently, but no, I think I would say, and this is just we're live talking this up on air. That if we, when we do an Australian Survivor Hall of Fame, it would be three inductees every year. That would just be my way yeah. of doing it. And I think that initially our three would be the three that I mentioned before. I mean, I. It's something that we will work out some form of judging and, and crowd criteria. The, the only problem we know that if we opened it up to listeners is that we obviously would know that the most part Australian Survivor fans would not acknowledge this season and season two, and I feel there needs to be some sort of weighted option where, you know, maybe we do five a year and kind of three are jury voted and two are fan voted. Or I don't know. We'll... we'll Stay tuned, people. We, we we talked about this on the Oz Network about three years ago. And we got a bunch of other podcasts on board to do it and it never happened. So uh, it, it will happen one day. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna glide through here. He mentioned about that Shona confessional. Joel has a brief confession here about talking about the game. We have a great little time lapse of Rob on the cliff. Like it's it's fantastic kind of him speeding, laying down, doing this, doing that. Uh, he basically has a confession where he says, I can't wait to finish. I get to be home in two days. So, again, Rob is sort of checked out in the game right now, which is actually really fascinating that he wins the final two immunity challenges. So final immunity challenge, I mentioned this a couple of weeks back about how I actually am a weird fan of this one, which it's kind of odd because you would think I'd maybe not because here I am bagging out people weighing themselves and guessing time and that sort of stuff but yeah this has got a bit of an element to that but i actually think this is quite a unique little challenge essentially they've got to choose a little cubicle which let's be honest serves no purpose they can all still see into each other's cubicles the jury is there to witness it which okay i don't know if i'm a huge fan of it but it makes sense given that they're basically going to do a vote out on the spot i'm not a fan of of family coming to watch the final challenge in the modern versions. I hate that. Whereas this one's kind of up there with me. It irks me a little bit. But at the same time, again, they're literally going to vote a person out on the spot here, so it kind of makes sense. They have to make a fire, which they then have to put in a lantern, and then they've got to guess when 38 minutes is up, signifying 38 days that they've played at that point, and then whoever is closest to 38 minutes wins immunity. Now, okay. Again, it's got that guessing time thing. It's a bit silly, but, like, it's got that extra element of fire to it. So back to my point about the worst challenge in Survivor history, I've said a few times, if you add a couple of different things to it, it makes it better. The weighing one, as I said, like, do the meat, like, rip your mouth out, get a bucket of, you know, the mud on the body. It's the same challenge, but it's better because it's visually more stimulating than fucking stand on a set of scales and, oh, you're skinny, Jane. Okay, this has got a bit of that element to it. It's a bit of a challenge where you've got to build a fire, and we kind of get different strategies here. Rob literally counting in his head, marking on a piece of corrugated iron, genius, and not doing the fire until, I guess, he thinks he can do it. Shona and Joel make the fire straight away and put it in their lantern. Joel clearly is going on his word here. He builds his fire and hangs it up straight away. We find that's nine minutes, so... Joel has lived up to his deal. He has given up final immunity. There it is. He's done it. He will be out in just a few moments. Shona, I've read that he did. Shona even hang it up? She clearly doesn't because Rob hangs his up at 32 minutes. And then Lincoln comes out basically at 46 minutes. Like, well, time's up. You're not going to win now, Shona. Rob, you win final immunity. Uh, Lincoln, <laughs> a massive dick to Joel not even close Joel uh, this is like as much as i kind of weirdly enjoy some of Joel's moments in this episode it really is the bash Joel episode of uh Australian survivor now i don't know how i feel about choosing on the spot i i see why they did it but there's no reason why you can't go to tribal
3: just before we get into that because that's a, uh, we're going to have a, i want to talk to you about that so i just want to go over this challenge a bit too so just correction to you i don't think they can see each other Ben because it's in like a it's in like a triangle shape, like the corrugated iron. So I swear they can actually, though. I swear
1: there's a moment where somebody looks out and can kind of see something though. No?
3: Well, if if they're sitting back where they should be, because there's a little um, thing on the ground where they're meant to sit, and if they're sitting there, they, that no one, that the other contestants can't see them. So unless they're sort of sitting out further, well, that's their own fault. But um, but yeah, so the way they've set up. You, you, but look, it's funny, you know, Ben, because this challenge, like, just I mean, I don't think I have a problem with the challenge, but you've you've labeled that other one the worst challenge in history i don't think it's much different to be honest like what you're you're trying to estimate how 38 minutes well how is that any but different to grabbing well, a stick that's a meter long
1: but that my point though as i mean like i know what you're saying but my point is they do something a little bit differently to make it a little bit more interesting the, the building fire element to it whereas like literally in that other challenge what was it guessing five minutes you literally stood there and counted in your head. How is that visually exciting for somebody watching on television?
3: Yeah, but is this great for a last challenge of a final three?
1: Yeah, I mean, not for a last challenge. I mean, look, I'm a a fan of the last challenge literally being standing still on a pole, like, you know, touching the idol. I mean, Borneo, Australian Outback, we had it in, in the first Channel 10 version. That it, it literally comes down to who wants it the most. That's what the final challenge should be to me. So uh, you're right. It shouldn't be the final challenge based on that level. But I don't know. Again, and, yeah, uh, you, you're right. I, I kind of sound a bit like a hypocrite here kind of going off the other week and here there. But, uh, yeah, my point is, again, is that I think there's something a little bit more stimulating about watching someone having to build fire to add it to a lantern and then hang it up. Rather, If they had just said, stand there and guess when 38 minutes is up i would have been as furious as i was a couple of weeks ago mm.
3: but but there's really not much difference really because you no, can no, there you, could light, right. you, you, you can light the fire in the first minute and then yeah. you can let it sit there no, and no, it, you're, let you're it sit there for the, next, right. for the next 37 minutes and then hang it up like you're,
1: so, you're absolutely you're, you're 100% <laughs> right, and i i yeah i i oh. i'm just an idiot i this is where <laughs> well, i use the uh, and people who listen to 007 will get this joke i like Die another day there you go. That that puts my thought process into context for people out there and my weird opinions.
0: Well,
3: I would almost have no problem with getting rid of the the cheap little corrugated iron bloody things they put up. Get rid of that and just have, you know what? First to make fire. Like, yeah. I, I don't and and have and have the and have the um all the people on the jury just watching on to say, "Okay, here you go guys. You've been here 38 days. First to make fire gets uh, immunity." Like, to me, I I find that and that and then the jury's watching on, thinking, okay, shit, who's going to make fire? Um, you know, because let's, I think Shona, I got a feeling Shona would, would have probably won that, to be honest. Um, first to make fire, I can, she would have been making fire a lot through her time. Um, you know, every day she seemed to be the one that was really doing all the the cooking of the rice and all that stuff. So, um, I don't know, Ben. Look, I I don't, I'm not saying I have a problem with it. Do I think it's great for a finale? No, like it's it it didn't look great. This Three people sitting. It was a very cheap challenge, you know. What they had to buy three bloody gasoline torches and and a, and a some iron and like, yeah, not great. But um, I don't know I'm just surprised. I guess what I'm getting at, I'm surprised that one minute you're saying worst challenge in history of any game, and then this one you're actually all right with for a final challenge. Like you can call me know, a hypocrite,
1: this- mate. I'm I'm fine with that. Go for it. You're,
3: well, I was going to call you a dumbest dog shit, piece do of it, shit, all this stuff, but <laughs> I'm not even have a problem with it. I don't. I just think, to, well, I do have a problem with it. I'm, I'll, I'll, I'm, I think I'm lying to myself. I do have a problem with it because it is your final challenge. Couldn't they have just said, you know what, we're actually going to put some money into this final challenge. Like, okay, how much do you reckon that final challenge cost him? $200?
1: From Bunnings, yeah, probably. Yeah, like, I reckon I could have built that for $200. Yeah, no, no. I mean, look, let's be honest, it's probably the worst final challenge we've had in Australian Survivor history. Well it Uh, is. It is. Yeah. Okay, well it is. Yeah, no, it will be. Um I guess my point is is that like I don't know what my point is, I'm just being a hypocrite, but like (laughs) um but no, you are you're just pissed you're just
3: pissed that Katie's not involved in it, that's all.
1: I'm crying over it. But um Okay, now
3: Ben, what do you think about the so so Two things quickly. I know you've already mentioned it. The, the jury watching on, I actually like that. So you do? I'll, that's okay. one thing. I do like that. I think for a final challenge to bring him out, I think that was pretty good. Now, you, you were going to mention it before I cut you off earlier. You said about Rob has to choose the the, the, the the final member to go with him, so he's obviously voting someone else. So there's not actually a vote. Rob just chooses who he's going to take, which ultimately means the other person gets voted out. The thing I don't like about this it doesn't allow for them to get any footage of any last minute scrambling.
1: Yeah. I'm I'm not a fan. I like, this is a, a key reason why I really do like the final two over final three. <laughs> one of the many key reasons is I do kind of like those, those moments, as you said, like the scrambling where you've got one person literally having to make a decision. I want to see Rob sitting on a cliff going, Oh, do I take this person? Do I take this person? I want to see Joel and Shona's final moments together. Like I don't like this, like plow, I think from memory it's the only US season where they kind of really didn't go to tribal and they just kind of, you know, by Ian you're gone. And that wasn't done based on that. That was just Ian, essentially Jeff just came in because the challenge had gone for so long and they clearly didn't have time to go to tribal. But, yeah, like I, I think that maybe I'm thinking just because there was so much content around Katie to show that basically they didn't want to lose any of that. So they kind of thought, well, if we get this quickly done over and done with, uh, then we don't need to do that. I, I can't imagine they didn't have a plan to go to tribal.
3: And do you reckon it was because at that stage they were they definitely knew that Joel was had laid down anyway? Obviously, it's still up to Rob. Like technically Rob could, you know, well, um, yeah. still vote, vote, vote for Shona to leave and, and Joel stay. But I'm going to put a what-if scenario out there. Because, this is what something I'd be re- re- very interested in. What happened if Craig had was still in the game because he had won every challenge leading up to that point, like he said he was going to do? Dominated. He it, it ends up being Craig, Shona, and Rob, and then finally Craig loses and doesn't get a chance to to get in. Just say Shona won that last immunity challenge and doesn't get a chance to go to Shona and like really put on one last case forward to say hey like look at me I've won all this I deserve this final spot with you you know that's what and i know that's a big what if scenario but and maybe they would have done it differently then but i craig would have been ropeable if he didn't get that chance to to get that one final speech to to Shona or whatever to say, hey, bring me with you.
1: Completely agree. And, no, I think you've also hit the nail on the head. I think a lot of it probably does come down to Joel's decision as well because um, let's be honest, and I'm sure we can get an answer from this from Shona, I I don't think Shona really tried. As soon as Joel put his thing up, I think Shona deliberately kind of lost that because she's sort of knowing that Rob – he's going to take her. I I, I could be completely wrong. I'm not saying Shona is a quitter in in any aspect, but Shona has got to know at that point that she's going to the final two, no matter what. So yeah, I think you're right. I, it it is an odd situation. I'm not a fan of it. Um, I mean, having said that, we do kind of get a nice little emotional moment here. I'm not, I'm not a big one for the tears and the breakdowns and all that sort of stuff, but this is actually a, a genuinely deep moment. Kind of Lincoln basically says, you've got to choose right now. Rob breaks down, you know, I just want to say a few words to Joel that, you know, you're not a quitter, you know, you kept to your word. Um, and then he kind of turns to the jury and even says, sorry if I hurt you to anyone on the on the logs. Joel's having a cry. This is the first time, we, I mean, we saw Shona break down in one confessional, but this is kind of, I think, the first time we've seen Shona cry in front of people. Um, that she Rob says, I want to pay respect to the lady that's come, with, um, you know, over there and please come to the final two with me. And then just Shona, the human, just, wow, she's such a great person. Instead of going, she kind of goes to go to Rob, but rather than just going straight to Rob, she kind of then ushers over to Joel like, you come join me and let's have a big final three hug. So there it is. Our final two of Australian Survivor will be Shona and Rob. Joel is gone. Uh, I guess you could say the only person in Australian Survivor history that hasn't quit or been... Well, no one's been medivac from Australian Survivor, have they? Um, Lee got pulled but not wasn't a medivac. The only person who's been voted out not to be snuffed, I guess. You know what I'm trying no, to say. No,
3: um, What's his name? Got injured and had to leave. Oh, Ross, Ross, of course.
1: Ross. Topical, the time we're recording this, yes. of course. You know, you are correct. Sorry, there has been a medical. You know, Chris Dixon would have been on to me in that one in a heartbeat if you hadn't pulled me up on that one. Thanks, Matt. Um. But, yeah, so Joel's gone. I'll quickly summarise here, Joel coming out on the stage and getting bashed by Eddie McGuire on stage. <laughs> Eddie's like, what were you doing? Uh, you know, what did he lie down? Was it his integrity or was he just dumb? Uh, this is where you see Rambo guy in the crowd, by the way. Uh, <laughs> Eddie, I don't know, is Eddie playing dumb here or does Eddie genuinely not watch the show? Because he kind of asked Joel, like, was there a deal? Like, we know there was a deal, Eddie. Um, gotta pay respect like we talked about this a couple of weeks ago with joel's deal and we kind of had our opinions on that but joel just comes out here head held high you know it was about pushing myself as far as i could go i let go of the money uh, the integrity to me was more important um i do like Eddie mcguire you know or did you did you want to just pretend uh, to muck it up or did you think they just think you're dumb anyway <laughs> Dude, Joel's like, I made the right decision. I don't regret anything. Good on you, Joel. Eddie then introduces the jury. I love how they all stand up, and I think Naomi even says, am I meant to stand up? And just Craig doesn't give a fuck. He just sits down. Uh, And then Eddie Maguire makes a bit of a faux pas. He throws to an ad and goes, that's next on Survivor Australia Star. I don't know if you picked up on Eddie Maguire. Eddie is a consummate professional in television. It's the first time I've ever seen him make a mistake. So there we go. Um Joel, 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 Joel. What can we say about Joel? Uh, well,
3: he, he wouldn't have been considered for a all-stars if, if it was a couple of years later after this because I'd look, Joel was an interesting character to watch, but I this is where, where I had the problem. We've talked about it before. Giving up like that at Final Three, is it in the spirit of Survivor? No, it's not. It's not what a survive. It's not what the game of survivors about getting to the final three and just giving up your spot. I'm sorry, it's not. If, if if everyone played like that, this show would still not be on air all these years later. So you need players that are hungry to win. Yes, you can play any way you want. I have. I'm not telling you how you have to play this game. Yeah, you know, it's fuck. I played the game and got voted out first, so don't listen to me. But what I'm saying is. You can play any different way, but one thing you can't do is just hand your spot over and let someone else deliberately get further than you and, and walk away. That's not in the spirit of the game.
1: Yeah, you're not wrong. Um, I think, though, context, different time. You you play the game differently. Joel's clearly a, you know, he's got a personality where that that team is more important. Um, and, you know, Joel, Joel left the game happy. Joel Joel didn't have any regrets. He said it. Joel could have easily just reneged on the deal, pulled a dreams and won that final immunity, but he would have got blasted at that final tribal council.
3: Do you reckon all these years later later though that he still is glad that he, he didn't have a crack at winning half a million dollars? I, I find that very hard to believe. <sighs> uh, like emotions look, can get the better of yeah. you, but when it's, when it's years later and you're sitting back and trust me, anyone that plays this game, and I think these contestants that we've interviewed recently that we've brought back emotions for they they can they would be agreeing with what I'm saying here. Once you've played survivor, whether it's two days, fifty five days, thirty nine days, you will always it will stick with you for the rest of your life. you'll always be sitting there and you might go years without thinking about it. then one day you'll be sitting there thinking, should I have done this differently? Could I have done this? And I'm telling you right now, I find it hard to believe that Joel has not since hasn't Hasn't been sitting there thinking, why didn't I have a crack and, and see if I could win that game?
1: Look, I, I don't doubt he's thought about it. Um, but I also don't doubt that Joel is a genuine person with his beliefs in what he said in that point of time in his life. And I think he genuinely believed that integrity to him was more important than the money. And, yeah, I'm sure he thought about it. But let's let's be honest, Joel wasn't winning this game. Joel, Joel should have been out three episodes before this. Joel. Yeah got himself into third place on Australian Survivor by making that move. Joel was never winning this game, never. So even if he had reneged on his deal and got to the end, he would have been blasted. I mean, look at Dreams. what happened in Fiji, got absolutely blasted for what he did. But modern Survivor, that would be considered a brilliant move. Same with Joel. Had he done this in modern Survivor and reneged on his deal and got to the end, he would have been a strategic genius. But he he didn't do it anyway. So he was in a no-win situation.
3: and, And I'll tell you what he could have made Shona and Rob look like some of the worst players in history because the fact that they believed him, that he was going to do that for him, honestly, he could have made, he could have made them look so bad, like, well, and get to the final three or get to the final four or even the final five, to be honest with Katie and Sophie and said, as if I'm going to give up my spot, you're gone. See ya. And Rob's just burnt, like he's gone. And then all of a sudden, He's blown his spot up with, he would have had Katie. Katie wanted to take him all away. Sophie, we know, wanted to take him all away. And all of a sudden here, Joel's made him look like a fool, sided with them, bang, he's gone. And all of a sudden, Rob goes from being one of the, well, you say equal greatest player of all time to to one, like almost a fool.
1: And you're 100% right. I've used that, um, that comparison or that example on numerous occasions in US Survivor. With someone like JT, who yep. goes down as having made a stupid move in Heroes vs. Villains by giving his idol to Russell, if that had it done the opposite way, he's a freaking genius. Yep. So I I don't I never hold that against JT as an overall player, and I think it's unfair to hold that and what happened in game changers as well. It's 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 one of those 50-50 line ball moves. And you're a hundred percent right. If Joel was a different personality, different mindset, he could have easily gone straight to the camera in a confessional. Rob, fucking believe me. I'm surviving tonight. Rob, you're a dumbass. But you say you said Joel was never going to win this
3: game. I don't agree with you there, Ben. If he pulls that move at final five and goes with Katie and Sophie and says, you know what, you idiots, how could you believe that I was going to give up my spot, votes out Rob. They end up voting out Sophie. He ends up getting to the final two. He could have won the last immunity. He gets to the he gets to the final. He sells his game by, you know what? I spent 30-odd days in that game, didn't have to lie to one person. So people like Lance, like Jane, Craig, Naomi, all of that, all, he can say, well, I never lied to you, but you know what? I played this game because I got two people that were in the top spot to believe this. I then turned on them, got myself to the final two. Hey, guys, vote for me. Not only did I play this game, I hardly lied to any of you.
1: That's where I will disagree because that argument works in modern Survivor. It doesn't work in classic Survivor. That is where I disagree because I don't think Joel can play that game in 2002 because all people are going to be caring about is that you lied and you betrayed on that one move and that someone like Katie and Sophie gets to the end. They've played a better social game. They've formed relationships. They've been a lot nicer. They haven't lied. They haven't pulled in that. What he would have done in 2002 would have been considered a dirty move. And think about Australian Outback colby takes keith to the end he doesn't have his integrity he still would have won but he the reason why he takes uh, tina to the end is because it was meant more to him to lose with a loyalty than it did to win and backstabbing so that is where i think it's a different game at that point so that that's just my viewpoint of of that modern survivor absolutely you're, you're not wrong absolutely he wins
3: yeah look I think he still had a shot to win. I really do. I, I think if he had to make a move to show that he was playing the game, but I just think those early jury members like Craig, no, like Craig, obviously he probably didn't respect his game early on. The fact that he wasn't doing alliances and 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 doing that, but if it, I think he could have got Craig's vote and saying, well, you know what, like Craig's watching on, it's like holy shit, like he's just turned on the two biggest players in this game. He's just changed his whole game up and and he's gone from bottom to get himself to the final two. I I could be wrong. I have a feeling that Craig would have gone, actually thought, you know what, I actually respect that. Yes, he wasn't playing early on, but he's just turned his game upside down and got himself to the end. And I just think he could have persuaded someone like, a you know, Craig Naomi, those people early on, Lance, we, he would have probably got Lance's vote that, you know, I, I don't know. It's it, it, we'll never know. We'll never. This is all what if. But I just think, and you're right, different time, different generation, all that. But I just would have loved to have seen Joel give it a crack.
1: Craig, you're listening, mate. You've got a lot of things to message us in this week apparently. Um, Luke Dennehy of Joel uh, Pros has youthful enthusiasm and physical strength. Cons may come across as a too confident three-and-a-half-star rating he got. Same as Jane, funnily enough. Same as Shona. Uh, was higher than Sophie, higher than Lance, uh, higher than David. Uh, same rating as Craig, funnily enough. So uh, there you go. Uh, quick things from the book as well. Uh, I do like, what would be the craziest, wildest thing you would do for money? Go on Australian Survivor was his answer. Uh, his luxury item was a photo of family and his girlfriend. His personal item, a football jersey. Had a German shepherd named Jazz and two birds named Rambo and Spikey. Favorite TV show Seinfeld, The Simpsons. Favorite actor Mel Gibson, Russell Crowe, Robert De Niro, and Matt. His favorite sports team, the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Oh wow! Well, the go. Rabbitohs. Now, obviously, uh, we addressed this a few weeks back. That um, you know, we we realize that we say uh, with Tim, we had his wife on. We're going to be having Rob's brother on to talk on on their behalf, but sadly, neither of them are, both, uh, are no longer with us. We obviously realise Joel's situation, and that does make it a little bit trickier to, uh, you know, potentially get a family member or somebody with Joel. Because unlike having someone passed away, where they want to celebrate their life and talk about the time on the show, it's kind of the opposite. You you, you don't want to disturb. Joel's family or friends based on what happened. And we've always separated what's happened outside of the game within the game. That's why we can sit here and talk about Joel in the way we do. We're talking about him in the game. So, you know, we will not have an episode basically for Joel, which it's six of one, half dozen of the other. It's a shame that we can't, but obviously at the same time, you know, we, you can understand why we don't want to at the same time as well in the future. Joel is released, and if Joel ever wants to talk about the game, we will consider doing an episode then and, and kind of weigh up our options with an interview then because that would really put us in a difficult situation, particularly, Matt, with your profession as well. Uh, you know, it, w- it would make it a, a tricky situation. But um, just I felt the need to at least address it, dress the elephant in the room with Joel because we are aware of the situation. We've had people constantly commenting on our posts this year saying that we shouldn't be talking about him that we shouldn't be doing anything in regards to Joel based on what he did outside of the game. We understand those comments, but as we've always said, we're here to talk about Australian Survivor. Joel was a part of Australian Survivor. What happened outside of it, happened 8 years later, it had nothing to do with this game. So the day comes that we can chat to him, we'll 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 cross that bridge when we come to it.
3: We that's right, Ben, and uh what happens next in the game? Probably one of my favourite uh, yeah. parts of Survivor that I I wish would be in every. They kind of bring it back in the modern day um, era with with the, but not fully. But before we get into the rites of passage, can I just say we've talked about some some of the fantastic cinematography throughout this season. These aerial shots of Rob and Shona, and there's actually two lots of them. There's one where they're walking. They're obviously walking to the Kadena camp to start the rites of passage. These aerial shots where they're walking along the edge of the, of the, the cliffs at Whaler's Way. Oh my God. Obviously from a helicopter, these shots are from, um, unbelievable. And we hear later on Shona mentions about, um, how stunning this, this Whaler's Way is. And I'm telling you what you look at these aerial shots. Fantastic. But I don't know if you want to, if you want to talk about them anymore, but just and you see them; they're walking along the path, which is just on the edge of the cliffs. And can I just say props to the editing team and to 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 um Stephen Peters for for making sure they get these shots? Unbelievable.
1: Yeah, I can't disagree with you in any any way. Um, I'll firstly add that fuck you, US Survivor. There we go. I'm going to get negative. Um, for cancelling this as a part of your season. This. is is a staple of Survivor and should be every single season, particularly when you ignore certain players in a season, you don't talk to them in the reunion. They were part of your season, whether they were voted out first or won the game. You can spare 30 seconds to have your final two or three talk about them. So, again, I I backtracked on myself the other week for saying the same to Channel 10, but I'm just going to say this right now. Fuck you, US survivor! Bring back rites of passage.
3: It ha- it, it, you're right. It's a staple. When, when you're putting a season together, it's the first thing that you need. You need you, you write it in. straight from the start. We need to set aside time for the rites of passage. Like this, this was one of the parts. Like, wh- like I've watched every season, right, Ben, and especially these early ones where they always did it. It would be the best part of the whole of the last, of the finale when, yep. when you get to go back and you'll be like, what are they going to say about these players? And you walk along, and they play the epic music in the background, and like, so, you know, they do it a little bit, little bit differently in this, but I still love the fact that they had the rites of passage.
1: I don't really have a whole like. You're right. Visually, it looks fantastic. I do like it when Shona basically says at one point she talks up the location. I think she's the first one to to do that. Um, I mean, they all look. I don't want to go on this individually. I mean, I, I feel this is really a case of just pick out, pick and choose. Uh, any any standout comments. I, I like it when, um, was it Rob says about Sylvan, now there is a guy who won a car, can't drive. He looked like a guy who loved his beer and loved a good time. Big cheesy grin. Uh, and then <laughs> poor old Karen, who again, you know, we sadly haven't had on the show yet. And we don't know a whole lot more to talk about Karen. She's kind of the one that we we, we want to get on to learn more about her. Literally gets like four words said about her. Interesting, a lot of energy, and they move on straight to Naomi. So
3: poor Karen. <laughs> yeah, he says, yeah, he says something like, "Oh, first member of the the merge," and then yeah. Um, I do like the fact that as soon as they see the Cadina, um, you know, the campsite because it's the first time they've they've seen it. Obviously, Rob and Shona had never seen it before, and straight away they're like, "Ah." Oh, this is so much better than ours, like, you know, because it's a lot cleaner and theirs was like the Taparo one was real filthy and straight away that I, I do like they talk about that. He he mentions Lucinda. Obviously, Lucinda only lasted three days, so they would have known nothing about Lucinda, Um, you know, but um, I do like they – Rob says something, and obviously myself as being a part of the fir- first boot club, I kind of – um yeah, it resonated with me because what he said is kind of true. You know, he says that – um he says about Lucinda, he says, imagine waiting all that time, going through the selection process and waiting to get on only to be voted out first. And he says, you know, I feel for her. And I think when he said that, like, obviously I can feel for Lucinda because she lasted one day more than me. I only got the, you know, got to play two days. So, and I I just thought that was something that I sort of resonated with really well because he is right. Like you, for, for the first person that goes out, it is such a big thing. You get told you're going to be on the show, you know, after years of wanting to play, um, you know, then the the whole waiting process, you know, and then getting on the show, the lockdown period, and then you get on the show and get voted out first. You know, so I did like the fact that Rob sort of mentioned that about Lucinda.
1: I also like uh, said about David. He looked like a brute, big bruiser. Um, and yeah, you're, you're right. You're, I did didn't mention. Yeah, they go to Kadena, so they kind of actually they don't do it in boot order. They do it in boot order from each tribe. So they go to Kadena, go through each of them, and then they go back to Tapara. Nice little touch. Um, I do like referring to Sophie as a yummy mummy. Mummy. <laughs> yep. I also like uh, Shona mentioning to Katie uh, about that she played it like the Olympics. Uh, and that that was myself 25 years ago to which Rob says she was plan B for me. She probably hates my guts right now.
3: <laughs> I, I like afterwards too. There's a, there's a, they go to then a confessional of Shona and then Rob, but Shona, yeah, she she mentioned, she says the best memories are the friendships, especially with Rob, Craig and Katie. So that's still, it's still, it, it just shows, like you said, we didn't really get to see the Katie Shona relationship like, and that just how close it really was, but yeah, throughout the whole season, she mentions, Shona mentions about how she sees Katie as a young version of her. So she obviously really did get along with Katie really well, and I'm going to be interested to not only talk to Katie about that relationship but to Shona as well because, and obviously we know about Craig, um, you know, you know she, Craig only played with her for a few days, but um, she, she really got along with Craig well. And she mentions about the location. She, she describes it in one word, Ben, stunning.
1: First person to say that, so it'll be interesting to see if uh she was given a little sneaky sneaky by the uh the producers there to hey, can you just talk up the location? Everyone's been shooting on this all season. plus she's a fucking cherry ripe. Talk up the talk up the location.
3: I like in Rob's confessional too. He said he looks forward to the questions from Katie and Sophie. So he knows he's in for a bit of a wild ride because he he knows he sort of did dirty by then, um, especially Katie. But uh, I, th- I think at that point he probably doesn't know
1: how Sophie's feeling towards him. Yeah, well, Sophie doesn't really live up to that, does she? She kind of uh, is a bit of a letdown in that case. I also like Rob, you know, uh, basically, if I don't win, I'll be happy because I was true to myself. I I kind of like that. I also do, I, I'm very much on Rob's page here when he says, uh, I don't think this will sway too much the votes on what is said. Yeah. I'm a firm believer that no one goes into tribal council not knowing how they're going to vote unless you're Greg Buis. So then uh, <laughs> he just didn't give a shit. Uh, okay, final tribal. Now, I feel like we will gel over this one a lot because I, I used to, when I did Survivor Oz, it was kind of my thing to to critique tribal, final tribal councils. I did a few top tens and articles on performances and things like that. And got to say, this isn't really fantastic. They don't even get an opening or closing statement, which is a little bit strange. I do like Lincoln when he says, you will decide who will be the first winner of Australian Survivor. So he's gone a week ago in his uh, dub over to the last ever Australian Survivor to basically implying there will be more of this. Um, So... Yeah, I mean, some of these two, we've also talked about these questions in our interviews with some of the jury members as well. So um, Naomi basically uh, brings up why would someone from like me from Kadena who, voted, who valued loyalty and Team Unity, why would we vote for you? Uh, Craig ask a question, why does the person next to you um, tell me how they played the game? Why do you think, you know, they played well? Katie, of course, is the most interesting when she's like, I won three challenges, rewards, with every intent, uh, you know, what? why did you share it with every intention of betraying me? Uh, it, you took rewards with greed and dishonor and cowardice. Um, you know, was this consistent with how you tried to win? I also love how <laughs> Katie gets a little rebuttal too when she says, "like it felt like you tripped me, like we were running a marathon, and then with that, like mile thirty nine, you tripped me." Um, do, do you like do you like Shona's response to Katie's
3: question where he says? Katie, you can't separate the game from yeah. real friendships, and she says, "I outplayed you, Katie."
1: Oh yeah. Oh, fan- like going back to my point, I to like critique people. If I, I'd almost give Shona the win here on how she handled this final trial. I think Shona stood up, and she like that is a great answer. When as she- yeah. like, I outplayed you, that that's yep. a Todd Herzog style answer. That that's yep. a drop. Oh, I loved it. It's not it's not so cocky and arrogant where you're going to piss them off more. It's it's solid. It's to the point. It's firm. It's harsh but fair. And no, yep. absolutely. Um, I also like Rob when he kind of says to Katie, "You know, I physically couldn't beat you, so I had to come up with something else." I yep. love that answer too from Rob. That is a that is a clever answer. Lance now, asks, to- talk, this,
3: talking about Rob, does he piss in Lance's pocket?
1: I mean, I I don't think I brought this up to Lance when we interviewed him, but it was definitely on my list of questions that I kind of. Wanted to know, did he think that Rob was doing that as a way to like play him? But Lance seemed that he thought it was genuine. So, Lance, if you're listening, that's a question that a follow up to something there. Um, yeah, Lance's question is like the single positive thing that you learnt. Rob mentions about faith that you taught me, shown about the friendships. We mentioned this to Jane the other week. So Jane, you know, pulls an Amber. You know, what would you do with the re- the reward with the money? And I, I, I'm so intrigued to find this out from Shona because it, it's a very obscure answer. Like she could have just said, I believe in our youth and in empowering their minds, so I want to start up a foundation to that. But she ties this into, I'm a big fan of Leonardo da Vinci and I want to start up the Leonardo Foundation. Like so specific. like, And th- this is the thing, though, that like I think about Australian Outback when Amber asked that question. And Tina kind of gives this, you know, oh, I'm going to donate money, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. Colby's like, I'm going to buy a Harley. Um, <laughs> and that's kind of like, I love that, like, it's flat out, honestly, like you, you're kind of in two minds in answering that question because you're like, fuck, like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to buy a Harley, I'm going to go on a holiday, I'm going to buy $1,000 worth of chocolate, whereas, like, deep down you're like, but they don't want to hear that. Oh, I'm going to donate money to kids and save the rainforest. The, the golden god bought a Harley with his uh, prize money. Yeah, well, how did he not already have one? Come on, that guy's <laughs> gorgeous. He should have been given one on one of his model shoots in you know, a way. Um, and then, of course, Rob talks about the family. Uh, Sophie, why does the other one deserve to win? Uh, Joel asks, this is any regrets. That's it. I know I haven't kind of gone over what everyone answered to them. Um, I don't know if you've got really anything to add. Again, this, this isn't the most stellar final tribal council, let's be honest. it's This is the weakest part of the episode.
3: I'll just say this. I think Rob he, he does know how to answer questions well. Like so, Joel asked, "Do you have any regrets?" And Shona says, "No, no regrets." Rob says, and, "And he it's one last chance to get in the mind of people, just to let people know what he gave up to go out there." Now, obviously, everyone gives up something to to go out there, but he just he, he's smart in his answer. He says, "I miss my boy's first birthday and his first step." So he's just letting the know, like letting the the, the the jury know, you know what. If you're on the fence of who you think is going to vote for, just remember, like, I've given up a fair bit to be here and I've played hard. So it's it's smart. Like, it's smart play. Like, just that one more emotional hit for the jury to think about before they cast their vote.
1: One thing I'm just going to backtrack quickly, which I'll, I'll, if I remember, and we'll kind of briefly do because again, we're we're over the three-hour mark. We don't really want to go too much longer on this. Um, You know, I didn't really do that thing where I started where we kind of look at, you know, Katie was fourth, so let's compare it to the other fourth places, third places, all that sort of stuff. One thing that I'm just quickly looking at here, and I wish I had done this pre games, uh, pre-episode so I could have really worked this out, is working out the average ages of the final two. Because one thing that's very uniquely Australian Survivor, final twos, generally have a very, like an older person making the end. Like this is something that's only happened a few times in US Survivor. But on a quick little scan, every season of Australian Survivor, with the exception of one, has had a player 40 or over, which is a very unique thing if you ask me. Season four, the only one with Tara and Jericho, so that's easily the youngest one. But if you look at an average age here, or at least, uh, sorry, a, a cumulative age, so... Shona's 49, Robbie's 37. So that brings that to a cumulative age of what's that? 86, quickly off the top of my head. Uh, 79 in Season 2 with Justin and Guy. Justin was 37 in that season. There you go. Uh, so Season 1 still got it. Lee and uh, Christy, 64 in total there. So there you go. Tara and Jericho, well, that's not going to happen. Sean and Shane, 102, a cumulative age yeah. there. So that will take the cake. But even um, Pia looks great for 46. I didn't realize she was that age. So that's 69 there on season six. And then uh, old season seven, Sean and David. Oh, sorry. Spoiler alert if anyone doesn't know the final twos of all these other seasons, uh, a cumulative age of 81. So, like, crazy to think that our youngest cumulative age is 57. On season four, mm. so that's a quick little stat there to go over there. So it's very interesting, uniquely Australian survivors, The older people often get to the end; that doesn't often happen in uh, American Survivor. Side note: Rob and Shona are waiting for the votes. We don't actually get to see any of them. Lincoln buggers off. Uh, then we're back with Eddie and uh, Rob and Shona come out. Uh, I do love Shona here. <laughs> do you think that you won? Well, I didn't come out here to play tiddlywinks. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, and I also, I fucking love Rob's no gives a fuck answer here. Like when basically he, Eddie McGuire asks to both of them, do you think you came out better or worse? And then Rob kind of was like, oh, you know, what part of this was fun? Because Eddie mentioned something about it being fun. And then Rob replies, I don't care how I looked. I don't care what you think. I care about my family. thinks I care about what my family thinks. Fantastic answer, Rob. Like you talk about Eddie being a bit of a dick to Joel. Eddie's kind of given a bit of shit, I think, to uh, Rob. I think it's more of a playful one with Rob because they're both footy guys and you know that sort of playful nature. But Rob holds his own. Rob Rob doesn't give a shit. Like Rob kind of stands up to him. It's great. Um, you. I, I mean, we'll talk about it in the reunion actually in your thoughts on Eddie because I I definitely have a different perspective to Eddie than you do on on the reunion but Lincoln comes out he gets a massive cheer everyone loves Lincoln go Lincoln um I love Eddie kind of trying to have a little sneaky look in the urn there with the votes uh Lincoln sort of talking about uh his impression and I think Lincoln actually sums this up but this is one thing that has often been regarded as a negativity on this season and I'm going to be the first to admit I've spoken negatively against this season in the past by using this exact reason as a negative. The mateship angle, a word that we don't like using on this show, which is this the first time mateship has been uttered on this season?
3: I've written that down. First time it's, yeah. it's mentioned all season.
1: Which everyone always implies that this season is mentioned every five seconds. I would go out on a limb and say Channel 10 Season 3, that had more mateship in it. That was mentioned more. Anyway, Lincoln says it was about mateship, real relationships, and that made it real. And for somebody who might have used that as a negative in the past, I'm going to flip myself and say it's actually a positive. That's what made this episode so great. It was those relationships. It was that mateship. It was that connection. And, again, as we said earlier, you don't get that any other season based on how it is played right now. Uh, I do love Eddie Maguire playing up here of, uh, you know, Lincoln will read the votes and you've guessed it. We'll announce it. After the break. Now, I don't know, Matt, if you were a big Who Wants to Be a Millionaire fan in the uh, late 90s, early 2000s, what was the one thing that pissed people off watching Who Wants to Be a Millionaire?
3: Yeah, I mean, that, they had
1: to. If, if they were getting
3: him to do the reunion, they are always going to do that because everyone at that stage knew that that was the whole Eddie Maguire thing of, you know, we'll announce it after the break, so...
1: Yeah, and, and again, for people at home who might not remember, might not have been alive, might be out of the country, I'm sure Regis did it on uh, US Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. It was a big thing. Someone would lock in an answer, you know, for half a million dollars and Eddie Maguire would basically be like, I've got the answer. You are not going to find out now until after the break. And kind of like, remember when there were commercials in uh, in television shows? That was Those were the days. So we come back from the ad. Lincoln has a bit of a conversation back and forth. Shona and Rob have invited every single family member ever in existence. Rob has invited Dusty, Kath, Greg and Donna, Mum, Pete and Ness, back from their honeymoon. So we'll talk to Pete about that in a few weeks, how that was. Uh, Dad's on the corner. His aunt, his good friend Gags, Chris and <laughs> Kim. That's us I'm trying to get Gags on the show. Meanwhile, Shona, all of her family except her brother, Bob. don't know why Bob wasn't there. Uh, her mother's there. Her brother, Neil, and wife, and they've come in from Houston. Her sister, Sally. John's there, Aunt Morn there, business partner Peter Snow. It's not just business partner Peter, it's Peter Snow, Steve, and Cheryl. They're all there, Matt.
3: I'll just tell you something quickly. So when I was having, early on when I was having trouble trying to track down Shona, I actually was looking up Peter Snow. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I couldn't even find a Peter Snow, so I don't know whatever happened to him. But, yeah, that was actually, this reminded me of that. That was one of the angles I was using to try to track her down.
1: I do like uh, Rob again saying like, "Ah, oh, you know, I'm comfortable that I may lose this." Shona talking about not crunching numbers. They they do extend this out a lot. This is a lot more extended out than any US version. And uh, honestly, I kind of like it. It adds to the tension. It's kind of great. Um, I do like Lincoln's little lie. Nobody knows, not even me. Stephen Peters <laughs> knows Lincoln. Stephen Peters knows. All right, so we read the votes. It's completely live. He's slow. He takes the rings off. I also love um, how uh, Rob plays up to Lincoln. How are you feeling? Um, And then kind of he's like, oh, I love the drama. You know, I learned from Eddie, Lincoln replies. And then he's like, Rob says, oh, your hands are shaking. And then Lincoln's like, I'm nervous. (laughs) It's a great little moment. But we get the votes. Rob, Shona, Shona, Rob, Rob, Rob. Rob is the winner of Australian Survivor. The crowd goes crazy. Dusty's nearly in tears. They all come up on the stage. There's some little kid behind Rob's family giving the thumbs up. If you're listening, little kid, that's probably Matt Dyson in the background there. Oh, <laughs> should I should have be been on the show. Um, and we also get a couple of little uh, screen. They show every vote, which I kind of like this. We hear from every single one of them. Katie... Says, my preference is to vote for you, Shona. Sophie calls Rob a dirty, rotten scoundrel, but still going to vote for him. Jane says, we're all deserving, (laughs) but it looks like I got out at the right time. Uh, And then they all come out on stage. Craig gets wolf whistled. They all hug. That's the end of the finale. Um, Rob is our very first Australian Survivor winner. Uh (laughs) I did. There's a few times that Craig
3: gets wolf whistles and I've actually made notes of that. And I think every time do you reckon that was Naomi doing it or or just multiple? Yeah,
1: (laughs) Yeah, I definitely, I definitely do. But um, (laughs) yeah, I mean, here he is the, uh, the esteemed winner five, two, uh, which I often think gets forgotten about. I kind of feel people think Rob got a unanimous win, but Shona still got two votes. We've obviously spoken to Craig about that. We'll speak to Katie about that in our next episode, but You know, Shona still walks away with two votes and still I think that's a a good achievement for her to have.
3: And just a side note, whoever chose to make that Ford Escape V6 yellow, that was the ugliest looking (laughs) car I've ever seen.
1: We need, to, we need to drop that line a few more times, our Ford Escape V6, the fantastic Ford Escape V6, because, yes, you win a car as well as winning the half a million dollars. I don't really know what there is kind of thought. Pro- I mean, we've talked so much about Rob this season. We've talked so much about Shona. We've talked about their games. We've talked about their status in Australian Survivor history. We'll go over a few little notes on them because I want to get – we need to get closing this episode because we're going on very long. But can can we add anything extra on, on Rob's win here or Shona's runner-up here?
3: No, I'm just going to say, obviously, yeah, Rob wins. He played a great game. I would have been happy with either either of them winning. To be honest, I think they both played a great game. Uh, I think that over the years, Shona's gameplay kind of gets forgotten, and I can't wait to talk to Shona about her gameplay because I think I think from doing all these recaps that we've really shown that she was a great player. But look, Rob played a great game and he played hard. He he. he he did everything to win that game and in the end he got himself to the win.
1: 100% agree. Um, now, yeah, I want to I want to go over a couple of these facts because I feel like we've done it for everyone else. We, we can't just ignore Shona and Rob just because they're the final two. So we'll try and do summarize them really quickly as we can. The difference is, of course, as we just mentioned, we've kind of talked a lot about these two, so there's not a whole lot more to add in final words and everything. Uh, Luke Dennehy's um, assessment of both of them. So Shona... Uh, pros: experience in the outdoors, quirky. Cons: may not get along with the other women. It's very intuitive. This Luke Dennehy, three and a half stars to Shona that uh, he gave her. Rob, a former AFL footballer. Rob is physically strong, plus smart, a clear favourite. Cons: too ambitious. He got five stars. Rob, and this is this is a thing that always stood out to me from this season that I always remembered. Rob was the pre-game favourite. Rob was predicted to win, and Rob won because we never got that in US Survivor. I don't think we ever got that to Tom Westman that we got the favorite actually winning that season. Thanks, Luke, for that uh, article, by the way. I, um, you know, we'll have a chat with you. See if we can get you on the show. If you probably don't even remember that you bloody well did anything with this show. Um, let's look at the book quickly. Shona, her personal item was shorts with pockets and zippers. Her luxury item was meditation beads. She had a Kelpie border collie. Her phobia. Nothing, nothing scares Shona. Doesn't that just speak volumes to <laughs> Shona? Her favourite sports team, Davis Cup. There you go. Favourite TV show. Again, this speaks volumes for Shona, Australian Story, Catalyst and Business Sunday. But having said that, who, whose favourite show is Business Sunday? I thought
3: she was going to say Burke's Backyard. It's been a while since we mentioned Don Burke on I this podcast. i uh, allowed to mention vodka. him
1: remember. Uh, Favorite movie, The Matrix, Moulin Rouge, and Top, of course, it's Top Gun. Favorite actress, Kate Blanchett. Favorite actor, none. (laughs) Favorite game, it's not tiddlywinks, it's chess and options trading. Ooh. Uh, Her favorite flower, Stuart Desert Pea or Carnivorous Plants. (laughs) Favorite chocolate or lollies. Matt, what do you think her answer would be? Cherry Rod. It is definitely that. Um, just a couple of things here. What made you enter Australian Survivor? She gives four, and she gives a multiple choice answer to this. A, seemed like a good idea at the time. B, needed a holiday. C, the challenge. D, all of the above. Got to love this woman.
3: I think I'm going to say E, uh, what was his name? John Snow. What, what was the snow oh, yeah, guy? Uh, yeah, he pissed me off. Oh. Mr. Snow's pissing me off.
1: (laughs) Uh, It's got here a fact. Shona slept outdoors for three weeks before coming to Port Lincoln to acclimatize herself. And also, describe any really embarrassing moments that have happened to you. She says, can't think of any. I'm not easily embarrassed. Wow. Uh, Rob, luxury item was a good pair of running shoes. Personal item was a grey sweat shirt. Pisses him off, being able to hear people eat, especially apples, being munched in his ear. Do many people go up to Rob and chew apples in his ear? Is this a thing? Um, His favourite sport, AFL. Favourite sports team, (laughs) Hawthorne. Favourite TV (laughs) show, Seinfeld, West Wing, ER. Favourite movie, Field of Dreams and Highlander. Um, Favourite alcoholic beverage, he doesn't drink. Favourite non-alcoholic beverage, milkshakes and hot chocolate. His favourite chocolate or lollies, Cherry Ripe. They, they wow. that's why they got along well. There you go. Um he entered Australian Survivor because he loved the show, loved the challenge, first entered to see if I could get in, now to see how far I can go. Can't deny the money would help, especially with family in Zimbabwe. There you go. Uh what would be the craziest, wildest thing you would do for a lot of money? This is by far the toughest question, as the responsibilities are endless. I'd do almost anything, not just for the money, but for the fun of it. However, recently, I hung completely out of an airplane door at 3,000 feet, unsecured and without a parachute, just holding onto a seat leg to get a money shot for a video I was making. You have to admit, that was fairly stupid. So, there you go. Um Yeah. Crazy. Rob, I'm so sad. Like, of course, we're so sad that Rob's no longer with us and that we can sadly never talk to Rob. Um, just, it just, yeah, it's so sad. We will be talking to Shona in a couple of, well, again, we will talk about that soon, how we're going to play out the final interviews. And of course, Rob's brother, Pete. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't really know what else to add. I think we can move straight into the reunion. I was just going to quickly look at sort of our final finishing positions here. Uh, maybe I can just do a quick little read through the names here to get a final little opinion. Give me a name. I just I just want one name of who's your your pick as either the best or your favourite of each of the finishing positions. You can choose it however you want to. Um, I'm going to go with fourth place right now, Matt. So you've got Katie Gold. You've got Nicole Dixon. You've got Flick. You've got uh, Michelle. This is a tricky one. You've got Shawnee. You've got Luke. Wow, this is very tricky and you've got Brooke, some big names in the fourth place ones there. Who, who's your pick? Wow. Um so the greatest fourth fourth place. Let's go greatest. Let's make it even more tricky. I'm going Katie, um, you know I'm going Katie. Well, <laughs>
3: sorry Luke. It, it's a big it's a big one because obviously yeah, Luke Luke's massive. See, I mean well they're big characters, aren't they? You look at Katie, All massive. Oh, they are, you know. Um but well, yeah, that's a that's a hard one. And saying that, Luke got to fourth but That was on his second time he played, wasn't it? Yeah. So for that, I'm going to put him under Katie. So I'll say Katie, then than Luke. And, I mean, Brooks huge. Um, oh, wow. I'm a big Flick uh, fan.
1: I'm a huge yeah, fl- Flick of fan. Of course, of course, yeah. And Nicole, uh, but yeah, I think can't look down on Cole either. I'm going to say Katie one, Luke two. Alrighty, uh third place finishers. So this is always that uh the Lex spot, the Kathy spot, you know, the one that people oh, do they deserve to win more than final two? So interesting that Australian Survivor has never gone into a final three. I'm glad. I'm keep going, Australian Survivor. So we have Joel Betts, we have Imogen Bailey, we have L. We have Peter, then we have Brian Lake, old grubby, then we have Harry, and then we have Moana. That's another tricky one. Again, you Australian Survivor gets the big names towards the ends there, don't they?
3: That's an easy one for me, Imogen Bailey all the way. She she played. She should have won that season.
1: Look, I, I would say Imogen too because I, I completely agree with you. Imogen is so overlooked as a, as a great player of this game. But, I mean, having said that, I, I'm a bit of a closet Pete fan. I actually really like Pete. I'm also a bit of a closet Brian Lake fan. Uh, yeah, and I'm also Brian a bit of yep. a closet Harry Hills fan. So, you know, I'm a, I'm a bit of a fan of these people. And can I just say too, Australian footballers do very well at this game. We've had what, three, four of them in the final three? That was kind of a, a nice little fact there that I think it uh, needs to be brought out. All right, runners up. I think we've gone over this before. Let's quickly do this on the top of our head Shona, Justin, Lee, Tara, Sean, Baden, Sean. <laughs> Poor Sean.
3: <laughs> wow. wow. Well, the fact that Sean has never been voted out, I think you have to put her on top. I mean hundred days never been voted out, but never won but so that would make her this that would have to make her wouldn't it the best second place person the fact she's done it twice because none of these players have ever have won, so yeah, Sean number one and then Shona
1: well i mean u s survivor what do we have Amanda and Russell both went back to back runners up um was amanda second on China or was she third? I think she was third wasn't she i don't think i think courtney was second on china off the top of my head
3: but but russell even he he was third in yeah in that's, Heroes what trying, that's, that's
1: what i'm thinking like we don't have two people finishing second i could be wrong on amanda there uh sorry if i am winners uh i mean look we've done this before I, i'm just the answer for my answer uh i would also give it to Sian, and that's no disrespect to shona that's that's the trickiest one i think out of those because um there is something great about shana but shona as well is a fantastic rob guy Christy, <laughs> Jericho, Shane, uh Pia or David. I mean, this is it's David or Rob we've had this conversation before. Um you I think given it to David and I I I still can't answer that one I don't think.
3: I've given it to David, but in look, in saying that, David had two attempts before he won. Rob's played he played one game one at once. So it's hard. Like you almost have to split it because you know the fact that David did get a second shot to play, and and, and if you just isolate his second time he played, the, the time he won, incredible. But playing the game of Survivor the first time is hard enough. But if you go out there, you know so much. You know the little things before you get out on to actually play the game. So Rob never had that luxury. He went out there once, played one. It's just like we talk about Brian Heideck. He's only ever played once. So, you know. He's never he's never lost, uh, where David Jeanette, he has lost once. So I don't know. Yeah. But, I mean, geez, he, the golden god, geez, he played well in that game, in that, in that All-Stars.
1: We're, we're, as I said, we'll do this episode one day, kind of almost like a high school debate, I think, and um, it will be very, very interesting. But, um, yeah, it's a fun little game. Uh, the reunion, now, look, we, we're not going to go into this completely into detail because... It's the reunion and we're well into the three and a half hour mark basically now of this episode and we don't want to go on for too, too long. Um, But a couple of highlights. Eddie's just being a massive dick to, to Joel. I kind of <laughs> love it. I kind of love Eddie being a dick to Joel. It's kind of hilarious. I also love Rob. Like, one thing I always appreciate about this reunion is the brutal honesty from these players that they're not afraid to kind of give it to production and sort of they get away with it. Like it's kind of you don't really get that on US Survivor, whereas here like Rob's basically like, well, I thought it would be a million dollars and it's only $500,000 <laughs> basically. Um, and then uh, Joel later on saying that, oh, I was going to give Sophie three minutes uh for her reward but the producer said no so i kind of like that but um i mean some revelations here uh we find out how rob met dusty nice little story about when he was playing with the brisbane bears she was a horse rider at carrara we meet dusty um she i love how she utters words we've won not rob's one uh Eddie, pretty good with Katie. I think sort of mentioning about like, did you get too involved? Did you fall for Rob? This is where Katie sort of brings up her age, saying that it was a disadvantage. Katie has another cry, which is sad. Um, I, the I, great question from Eddie when he says like, which one is you? Are you the little girl or are you the other one? And I also love here Katie when she's like, look, I'm not a nasty person. I'm not a bitch. You know, it's yeah, it's kind of a nice little moment. Uh, We also see a few audition tapes, a few extended audition tapes. Like we see Rob's one, which is a little bit sad, seeing little Gabriel there as well. Uh, You see your man, David Haas' ass. Um, Yeah, I I do. I mean, I think we mentioned this with David about the dodgy Chico roll moment when he kind of brings that up there as well. Again, what's great about this reunion and what they used to be all about, we literally hear from everyone, which is what you should have at a reunion. Matt, I saw your reunion for five seconds. I can barely even remember it. Did they talk to you at the reunion? Negative. No, I did. I, there
3: was about four of us. They didn't even ask a question to, So, um, that was fine. You know, Russell wasn't even there either. So, but, um, yeah, look, I I like the fact that with this, I love, and we talked about it in Lucinda's interview that Lucinda really stood up for herself. Look, I I was a bit of like, I'm not a massive Eddie Maguire fan. I thought he was a little bit of a smart ass throughout this reunion piece, like, and even the throwbacks, like I, I, he, I thought it was a bit – in like I didn't really like how the whole Karen thing I thought it was a bit awkward. I, I, I thought him constantly making out Joel was, was dumb and all that. Um, then again with Lucinda, like Lucinda's sort of standing up to herself and he kind of has a couple of digs at her and I think it was great that Lucinda stood her ground and gave – I think she won that battle actually. I think she beat Eddie. I, th- I, I don't know. I just, and we'll talk about this a bit further, but I wasn't a big fan of Eddie McGuire. I thought he was a bit of a smart ass, which I, I – if anyone that knows me, the one thing I hate, I hate smart asses. So um but I will say this I, I did love the fact that um, my man my main man David Haas he he points out where um, Karen's tattoo is because he's yeah. he's sitting behind her and he's like, yep, I can see the tattoo because And he's still looking um, at her
1: ass when she's talking yeah, about
3: because <laughs> Eddie McGuire asked where, where she got the new tattoo and of course he he pipes in there which I thought was pretty funny. I really like Tim. Tim mentions he admits that um, cause obviously we don't get to see a lot of Tim throughout this season, but Tim admits that maybe what he could have done was, was be a bit more open, talk to people a bit more and, and get to know, cause he only lasted the six days. And in the end, like he he kind of admits that, well, they didn't really know a lot about me and they just happened to had to pick someone and it happened to be him. So, um, uh, and a lot of them admit that it was, it was their regret that they let, you know, the Kadena members regret that they let Tim go.
1: Yeah, I like that too. I, I think Craig and Sylvan, you both hear them say that it was a, it was a mistake. Um, yeah, I, look, just on Eddie, like I'm an Eddie Maguire fan. I've always liked Eddie. I think he's a great host. And I, I, I kind of like his little playful nature that he has with them. Like I can definitely see again why you, you wouldn't like it. He's a bit of a dick to some of them, but it's kind of funny. Like, I mean, I, I kind of like it. Like it's sort of. I don't know, like the US reunions at that point with Bryant Gumbel. I mean, Bryant didn't really do anything with him. He kind of just was playing so naive. But I guess the argument for that is that th- this is a time of Survivor where what what are people wanting to know? Like, oh, did you fuck out there? Did you? How did you wipe your bum? You know, how did you eat? Like no one at this point is asking the deep strategic questions that people are asking now. It was legitimately questions like that. So I think Eddie Eddie gave a little bit more of a – an edge to it. Like some of the questions, as I said, like he asked a really good question to Katie, like, yeah, the Lucinda bit. I I agree with you. I think Lucinda owned in there, but at the same time, I think Eddie was right in pressing her because like, again, people needed to know like, well, you did vote for yourself. You didn't want to be there. Like that's people's perception of that point. So um, yeah, I, I don't know. I like Eddie. I think, I think Eddie handled this quite well.
3: Yeah. I just think ask questions by all means, but trying to make people deliberately feel awkward and and then and then keep pressing on it? Like like is that the top yes, you know, you do that as a journalist, all that, but not on I don't know, at a reunion, maybe ask one question, but like he was being I don't know, I just
1: I didn't like it. I thought, I'm surprised they didn't. Why didn't they get Ben Dark to host it, Ben? He was in the crowd dressed as Rambo. <laughs> Let, let's be honest. The one positive for us not seeing Mark Cases is we didn't have to watch Rosie O'Donnell. So, you know oh, better yeah. better than that. Um the, the, the best bit of the whole reunion is, uh, is Craig versus Katie, though. Uh, I, I oh. love, like, as much as yeah. I love Katie, I, 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 I think they both kind of have valid points here and they kind of go into it. But then I fucking love Craig when Craig's like, what's your point? Like I love that like drop might moment where Craig's just like, what's your point? And then I love Katie, butter wouldn't melt in your mouth. You do this, do this, and then Craig's just like, isn't that the pot calling the kettle black? And then like this is where I was, I love Eddie's reaction where he's like, oh Katie, just as you had them on your side for a moment there. <laughs> hey,
3: oh, yeah, that that was great. Like I mean, Craig and oh, Craig and Katie together. Imagine if we saw more of that. Like, but one minute she's in love with him at the start when they first merged into Aurora, and then. Then he was a creep and, oh, that that was an interesting personality clash. But uh, can't wait to talk to Katie more about that. What did you think about the whole them bringing up the before and after photos with the beards?
1: I think it was an interesting thing that they do. I, I, yeah. I, I like a before and after. Because that's the thing I think when you watch Survivor, when you're watching it week after week after week, you kind of forget what they look like at the beginning of the game. Yeah. And that, that was a thing like in those earlier seasons when, you would see Colby and Tina on stage. Like, Holy crap! Look how different they look. Like you legitimately would always kind of see like a, a difference because you're so used to them. All of a sudden, looking dirty and with a beard and all that sort of stuff. So to see them on stage like that, it looked really, really fresh. But um, no, I, I, I that come on. You got to admit, Eddie giving Joel shit for having his bum fluff, and then <laughs> no. like, oh, don't worry, Joel. We didn't forget about you. <laughs> no, I, I did like that actually. I,
3: I, I thought that was. um Quite funny. I actually like that they did that, and I agree with you. I like when it, when um, when Craig's photo came up. We heard we heard more more wolf whistles, which I thought was Naomi again in the background. <laughs> uh, but uh, then Joel gets a chance when he speaks. He drops his uh, JoelBetts.com.
1: Which I went to com, by the way, and it is now a website owned by a Joel Betts cinematographer. So um, there is a JoelBetz.com. Sylvan plugging his book, of course. <laughs> yeah, of course. I love it yeah. when he gives it to Eddie, and Eddie's just like, oh, gee, thanks. You wonder how quickly that lasted in the bin uh, after that episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I wonder
3: where, yeah, you're right, it would have ended up in the bin. But uh, they asked Lance, of course, about the alliances. He still has a bit of a joke about that. I'm glad. I'm glad that Lance he, he knows how to take a joke with all that stuff. And even obviously, we interviewed him recently. And uh, Lance, yeah, he's a he's a bloody good bloke. But um, look, yeah, yeah there's a lot of interesting stuff. It was a it was a. I like the fact that they did get to talk to everyone. And you mentioned yeah. it before, like I didn't even they didn't even ask me one single question. But um, you know, I think everyone plays a game. It, Every I, and I like when a reunion, the one thing I've always liked is when you get to hear from the people that go early, Absolutely. you actually get to hear from them again.
1: Yeah. And one thing, too, I, I talked talked about Karen before about how kind of she's a bit of a enigma. I, I did, there's something about Karen's vibe in this reunion, which I was like, oh, we missed out on seeing something there. Kind of like when she's talking about her symbols that she got as a tattoo and kind of the back and forth, but oh, I live in Darwin. I don't even have any winter clothes. Like, I don't know. Like, there's just, <laughs> Ah, Karen, come on the show, please. We just we need to learn more about you because I feel that we well there's something we're missing there with you that we just really need to see it. Um I also love that bit at the end when they're like, Who who's gonna stay in touch with um with everyone? And they all put their hands up and then is it Tim or Jeff screams out, Oh, we're all gonna stay in touch with Rob and then yeah, Eddie is a- Jeff. Eddie has a dig, I think, at Rob, and Rob's like, "Oh, you're right on to me, aren't you, Eddie?" Um, which is kind of, which is kind of fun. Um, and yeah, the magnificent Ford V6 Escape is mentioned about 300 times, so uh, there you go. And I, I gotta say, I do love Eddie's end to the episode. Rob, you've got a Ford V6 Escape, half a million dollars, and your mother-in-law. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, that was brilliant. I'll, I'll give Eddie credit for that. That was brilliant.
1: It's, it's actually because I used to watch the footy show a lot growing up and, and you know, Eddie wasn't the funniest on there. Like, clearly, you know, you had Sam Newman for that and Trevor Marmalade. But when Eddie Maguire drops a clanger, Eddie Maguire can drop a clanger. Like, he's a good one. Like, he's about a one in three of dropping a clanger one-liner. I've got to say that about Eddie Maguire. The end of this episode, though, I actually really, really enjoy. We get the techno remix of the Australian theme, a two-minute landscape montage of amazing shots of Whaler's Way mixed with silhouetted shots of our players walking along the beach. If that doesn't add to your mood of this whole season and episode, nothing will. Um, incredible. So good. Such a way to end it. And, yeah, incredible. Such a shame that this ended at, like, midnight on a Wednesday and, you know, probably half the people are in bed by this point.
3: Yeah, it, it was a great way to end it. I mean, Jack Robin, you know, at his best, you know, composing the score. And, and I want to give a little shout out to Jack Robin too. We we've mentioned uh, throughout the last couple of episodes about this fantastic slow version of the theme. And uh, and I mentioned that I, I I messaged Jack Robin. He got back to me. He actually searched everywhere, and he he it, 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 it's a lost file. Um, he said it was on a on a hard drive that unfortunately um shit itself and is no longer available and the man himself jack robin he actually stayed up late one night and basically put together a version that's almost identical just for us so big thanks to jack robin um yeah like we we love his work and for him to do that for us for this podcast is is a, a massive shout out to him thanks jack
1: we'll play a snippet of it um in our closing bits here um but Yeah, I mean, here we are, Matt, three and a half hours into this finale episode. We initially were going to have cable on this episode. We probably would have gone for six and a half hours had we had cable on. But uh, look, we always knew this was going to go long. I think we've just topped our Craig interview as our longest interview to date, but uh, longest episode to date, I should say. But I mean, look, I somehow feel that sitting here for three and a half hours, we haven't even covered everything, but it's it's been an incredible ride. But This isn't the last episode. I'll just quickly do some housekeeping matters here to say that we are, of course, planning on having a few more interviews close out the season before coming up to do a big final episode of season one of Whaler's Way. How it's probably going to work is that obviously we drop an episode every single Friday and we've got three interviews planned to kind of close out the final three Final three of the four players in this episode. Now, we initially, of course, would have dropped them three weeks in a row, but we don't want to drag it out that long. So, we will probably drop three interviews in the next week, probably in the coming days. So, you'll see a Katie interview, a Shona interview, and then a Pete Dixon interview. So, just keep an eye out for that for social media. We don't obviously want to overload you too much with episodes, but we also don't want to kind of leave these forgotten about and drag it out too much. So, we'll kind of find a middle ground there. That's our initial plan there at this stage. So, as I said, Katie Gold will be our next episode. You know we're looking forward to that. Then we're going to have a Shona Brown. You know we're looking forward to that. And then a Pete Dixon is kind of a tribute to Rob as well, so we'll be looking forward to that. And uh, we alluded to um, a couple of weeks back about what we've also got planned in the coming weeks, a couple of hopefully behind-the-scenes interviews that she'll probably just lump into one episode. And then a big final wrap-up episode after our Stephen Peters episode, uh, interview, of course. I don't forget that one, Ben. But our, our finale wrap-up will, will include Surviving Survivor. We were initially going to include that in here, but... Kind of glad we didn't because we would have been here for another hour because there's a lot of good stuff to talk about in that one. But, um, oh, I feel like I need to lay down that. That was a very in-depth and intense episode and, um, my goodness me, here we are, end of Australian Survivor Season 1 with still a few goody gracious moments to come in the coming episodes.
3: We've done it, Ben. Who would have thought, you know, that uh, we'd finally get to this point? You know, we. I've mentioned it a few times now, you know, when we first discussed discussed doing this whole podcast and, and doing this season, like probably never thought that anyone would ever recap, uh, season one, especially, you know, 18 years later, but I'm, I'm so glad we did, Ben. We've learned so much. It's not over. We've still got interviews and and everything, but this is the last actual, you know, obviously episode we're recapping and, uh, mate, I, I just want to say it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, it's been a, you know, big thanks to everyone that's come on the show so far, uh, including cable, that was that came on in in one of our very first recaps. And um, Ben, look, it's it's been fantastic. I'm so happy that that we've done it together.
1: And I uh, second those exact thoughts for you, Matt. It's been a pleasure to have you on and uh, obviously yourself being a bit of a podcast host virgin, uh, kind of going through all of this and sitting here for very long hours and long interviews and prepping and doing all this kind of stuff. You've been a consummate professional, mate. I feel like we're ending this. This is not the end, but, uh, you know, we're getting a few thank yous. This is like the emotional hug at the end between Rob, Shoner and Joel. But, uh, no, you, you've definitely uh, – Proven yourself to be a a very worthy uh, addition to this show, and I don't think I could have done it with anyone else, except for Katie, if all of a sudden she wants to come on a co-host and you're fired. Or Rove. Fuck you for not liking Rove. Um, But, yeah, we've still got plenty to come to close out this season. In the meantime, everyone else out there, if you're enjoying what we're putting out there, give us a like on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, follow us on Instagram, hit us up on all the good podcast channels and the bad ones as well. Always got to mention those ones. And give us a subscribe. Let us know your thoughts and your reviews. And remember, Matt Dyson still has an audition tape to get out there. So uh, tell your friends, tell your family, tell every single one of your thousand family members in the front row of the Crown Palladium, including your business partner who's there as well. And uh, what was the other guy's name? Gobbo, Gabbo? uh,
3: (laughs) Gazzer or something.
1: Freaking hell, whoever he was. But, uh, yeah, it has been a fun ride. I'm I'm slightly sad that we don't have any more of these episodes of Season 1 to talk about, but... Also slightly happy that I get to speak to Katie Gold in only a couple of days' time. My name is Ben. I'm dumb as dog shit. I'm an asshole. I'm a prick. I'm just saving everyone else out there from what they're thinking and saying it for them. You're welcome.
3: I can't believe 18 years later we're talking about that guy in the army gear and the camo in the crowd. (laughs) But uh, guys, my name's Matt Dyson. And Ben, I just want to tell you you're gutless. You're a
2: gutless wonder.
0: Really
2: just before I go on, I should remind you that this is probably the most important immunity challenge you could win.
0: My aunt, Warner, and my business partner, Peter Snow, and a couple of friends, Steve and Cheryl. Oh, there's my aunt who I just saw, and a good friend Gags, and Chris and Kim are up there somewhere. So, <laughs> thanks
2: on our snuck in. What amazing end there, Joel. I mean, what was he doing? Did he lie down? Was it his integrity? Or was he just dumb? Did you agonise for a minute and just think, well, I could pretend I
1: tried to muck it up. They think I'm dumb anyway, I <laughs> <could do it. laughs>
0: Well, I think Joel's got the dollar signs in his eyes, so I'm not quite sure if he's going to stick with his original plan. So
2: you reckon he's not as dumb as he looks? It was the whole producer thing. They said, no, no, we just want you, so. Oh, OK. <laughs> Blame the producer whenever he goes there. Good <laughs> on you, Joel, you're working well. Ready? Shona? Good luck. Go for it. First vote, Rob. Second vote, Shona. Next vote, Shona. Next, Next vote, Rob. Next vote, Rob. The winner. Have Australian
0: survivor. We're the trip problem, you Yeah, you're so unloyal and so uncommitted. You know, I wouldn't trust you as far as I can throw you. You make me sick. You're dumb as dog shit. You're f- I'd love to see what you call dishonesty. It's a game. Yeah, and you've played like an asshole. You know, that you're a gutless wonder. Huh? I apologise, Shona and Joe. This isn't Master David's dinner. I'm going to stop cooking. Shona, could you please come out here? I firstly want to apologise for my behaviour last night. I was really emotional and I let some nasty things come out of my mouth. Rob, you don't believe me and it hurts me. For you not to believe me. Your mind has been operating on deceit and lies. Yeah, well played. You lied in my face, you spat on my face. You know, really well played. Congratulations. You're a, you're a champion. No, I'm just drawing an analogy. When you play a game of cards and you have. I'm a hand... drawing an analogy, darling. I am white on the outside appear to be strong and brave and all those things, but I'm still a little girl inside and I still can get hurt. I just want my dad to come give me a
2: hug. I want to pay a tribute to the guys on the logs over there, some of which I've hurt along the way, which I didn't mean to. I'm trying to play the game and be a survivor at the same time is really difficult, and I've found it difficult. And I like thank the thank lady who stuck with me from day one, and I'd like you to come in the final two
0: with me. My mother says to me sometimes, very lovingly, Shona, you know, I wish you'd remember your 49 instead of 15. I think I'm a female version of a Peter Pan in some ways. Well, congratulations, guys. You've played really well. And uh, thanks for nothing. When I do things, I do it with my whole heart, you know. And you know, I race with my heart. I put everything into it. I I I love with my heart. Friendship, everything, and I've played this game with my heart. But the thing is, when you do that, you leave your heart. Open, and you get hurt. Is that it? That's yeah. it.
2: Gee.